Hi, everybody. How you doing? It's the uh, speckled ostrich egg of philosophy here. Uh, it is uh, Friday night. Friday night, and the living is easy. It is, uh, oh, end of April. April 30th, 2021. So, what is it next? Pinch, punch, first day of the month. Did you ever learn the... Um, wait, January, February, March, April. Like the knuckle thing? January, long month. February, short month. March, long month. April, short month. The knuckle thing for... Anyway. It's just something I remember from when I was a kid. So one thing I wanted to just mention before we start here. People are, and I've talked about this, so, so people are con- concerned about the vaccines, right? Like the vaccines didn't go through the right level of testing. They haven't been pre- proven to reduce birth uh, death rate, and there doesn't even seem to be any plans for doing that. But the one thing I also wanted to mention about all of this is that the lockdowns are a form of medical intervention. And... You should, of course, run them through debate and and testing and cost benefits and all the kind of stuff that you have to do for any other medical intervention. You know, like I remember Cheerios. Was it Cheerios? Something like that. Cheerios, you know, said helps improve heart health or something like that because they had something in them that brought down cholesterol or something like that and something like that. And the FDA was like, you can't say that. And so... They couldn't. And I remember there was this pimple cream, it's probably still around, uh, Clearasil, something like that. And did it eliminate acne? No. Did it cure acne? No. Did it stop acne? No. Did it prevent acne? No. I remember the, when I was a teenager, it's probably still around. What does it say? Anyone remember? Helps control the acne cycle. <laughs> what does that even mean? Helps control the acne cycle. It's really vague, right? So we've got this whole government blob that is supposed to, you know, keep us safe and make sure that unreasonable medical procedures don't make it to the forefront. So the lockdowns should have gone through the whole debate and review uh, of everything. But of course, you know, the purpose of all of this stuff just seems to be totalitarianism. So obviously it didn't. But, you know, it really it really should have. All right. So somebody says, you aren't sleeping. Your bags under your eyes are bad. Are they? Uh, it could just be the lighting. could be the lighting. I'm sleeping fine. What's it I said the other day? Uh, I said uh, I had a rest before the show. Uh, you know, it happens. Um, it, it really does happen every now and then. You know, I've always been a little bit of a nap guy. I just, a, a nap, like a good nap is like such a beautiful thing where you, you just get that, ah, that nice rest and maybe you listen to some audiobook and no one raises their voice and all kinds of beautiful things are happening and then you, you float back to consciousness like a, a flower, a petal in a, in a gently rising wind coming up to the giant sun of your consciousness and it's such a beautiful thing. Unfortunately, that happens about 5% of naps. The rest of the times, it's like a foggy horse hoof cracked you in the head and left you like, oh. <laughs> but, you know, that one in 20... When you roll a, a 20 on your nap dice, uh, that works out really well. But I do. You know, if, if I've got like a, sometimes these shows can like two, three more hours, right? And I want to be refreshed. And yeah, sometimes I'll just take a little rest. If I get that mid-afternoon lull, do you ever get that? Like does that mid-afternoon lull? And I remember I used to do this when I was a student in university. I'd be reading some godforsaken boring book. Uh, and the worst were the ones in my Marxist classes. Those books were so boring. Oh, my God. Uh, no playfulness, no curiosity, no intellectual stimulation, just this grim death march of mother courage. And I used to lie there and say, oh, okay, I'm going to finish this book. Okay, I'll, uh, 
I'll read. I'll read. I'll lie on my side and I'll read on my side. Okay, I just close. <clears throat> and you just lure yourself step by step down that foggy staircase. Anyway, so I had a bit of a rest before the show, and next thing you know, everyone's like, "Steph has COVID." <laughs> no, I just, I just, I like. Don't you like a nap? Hit Y if you like a nap once in a while. I love it when naps are too long and you don't know <laughs> what day it is. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You just rope up from a nap yourself. Yeah, naps are great. Uh, I remember when I was doing research for my novel, Almost, reading uh, endless books on, on Churchill. Uh, Churchill was a big one for napping. In fact, he napped through one of the most important days of the Battle of Britain. He woke, he woke to find out whether there was a uh, good, uh, whether they'd won the battle or not. Okay, so we um, we have a caller for tonight. Now, it doesn't mean that it'll be the whole show, but it'll certainly be out there. I, I have got, I've got a list, Making the Truth About Men. Yeah, I've, I've got uh, a list about that. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, how much of my body I should show in The Truth About Men, because it's, uh, it's a lot of truth. It's a lot of truth, a lot of hanging truth. All right. So we do have a caller uh, and for this evening. Her name is Sophia, which I'm sure you're aware is Greek for wisdom. Okay, so let me just see if I can find her in the... There we go. All right. Sophia, would you mind requesting to talk? Request to talk. Intruder in my ear. Intruder in my ear. Intruder alert. What video game was that from? That's right. Berserk. Is, hello? Uh, hi, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm well, I'm well, I'm well. What's on your mind? What's on my mind? Do you want, do you want uh, to read the letter, or do you want me to read it? or? Oh, yeah, if you could read uh, my email. I can, I can. I just have an ungodly slow, slow chat app here, so give me just one second. Here we go. All right. My name is Sophia, and I am 20 years old. My perception of my family has shattered within the past year. It seems as though I am constantly uncovering more secrets, lies, and deception from the past and present as I continue to emerge in my adulthood. Sexual abuse, affairs, cults, abortions, suicide attempts, gaslighting, etc. The list goes on. I'm hesitant to bring my partner around my family, as I do not want to invite him into this world of delusion. I am also chemically ill from a sickness my parents refused to acknowledge for a number of years, and still do to an extent. In the interest of keeping this email short and concise... I love listening to your show and would be immensely honored to have the privilege of receiving your wise insight. One last thing. Did I mention my family are devout Christians? Thank you for always posting thought-provoking and, quite frankly, entertaining content. Wow, that's, uh, well, that's quite an intro. That's quite an intro. And uh, I really do appreciate you taking the time tonight. I'm, I'm sure we can get to someplace helpful and useful. How do you, how do you feel being, being on the line? Um, I feel nervous. <laughs> I feel pretty nervous. But I'm really excited to talk with you tonight. All right. Now, let's. I just wanted to get this out of the way. You said this chemical illness, chemical imbalance illness. What's the story with that? Oh, um, yeah, I have a chronic illness. It's called uh, SIRS, which is chronic inflammatory response syndrome. So it's kind of like I have a, a cold all the time, um, and it's a result of mold illness or mold exposure. And it developed about four or five years ago. Um, and with that, I've had a lot of co-infections, like recurrent strep infections. I'm sorry, you just kind of went quiet for a sec there. Did you change something? Oh, no. Can you hear me? All right. Uh, yes. Uh, can you just say again? 
Um, yeah, so this illness uh, started about four years ago, and it's um, it's a result of mold exposure. And uh, with it, I've also had a series of co-infections, like recurrent strep um, and tonsillitis and uh, just like chronic fatigue and um, nausea, a lot of other, it's, yeah, it's just like I'm always having a bad cold. I'm so sorry. And and do you know about where the mold was or how that got, how you got exposed to it? Yeah, it was uh, this house that I was living in. Um, I remember there was a leak in my closet and the floor was always wet in there. Uh, and so there was mold growing out from there. And there was also mold in the basement as well, black mold. Um, where I live, like 80% of homes have um, a mold problem. But uh, yeah, it just affected me worse than it did my family members. They were able to, um, I guess, properly detox is the term <laughs> from the, the mold. And there's a, like a, a threshold that you can be exposed to uh, that your body is able to detox from. But after a certain amount, um, your liver can't detox of it properly. So you actually start to have mold in your body, which I have. Uh, that I recently got tested for, and I have um, pretty high levels of mold in in my body. Oh my God, and mm-hmm. and is there a cure? Uh, yeah. So it's I, I'm supposed to try to find a mold free house, which is pretty damn near impossible where I live. And it's also I'm I'm living on a, a budget, so I don't really have the capacity to pay for a brand new home, um, to live in a brand new home. Uh, but it, for the mean, in the meantime, I just have a, a diet, a strict diet and I take uh, a binder, which is charcoal or cholestyramine <laughs> and, uh, some various other supplements and things that are supposed to help my body detox of the mold. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, that's that's I'm 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 sorry. It could also have been caused because you were younger, right? So if your other family members were older, they would have a more mature uh, immune system, and they may be out of the house more, and so maybe they just maybe it just played better for them because of that. Yeah, actually, I, I recently uh, was listening to some doctors talk about how adverse child experiences can af- affect this illness um, as something to do with your. Uh, amygdala and I, I don't know what else but um it can make you more uh susceptible to developing mold illness yeah stress is rough on the immune system for sure stress is rough on the immune system which is why this whole covid thing and lockdowns and stress and panic and people out of work and uh i was just talking to a friend of mine the other night and he had uh, surgery he, he managed to get he was in considerable pain and he managed to get the surgery to correct that pain one week before they shut down what they call elective surgeries. Oh, it's such a terrible term. It's such a terrible oh. term because elective surgery is like, oh, maybe I have a hangnail or maybe I just want a nose job or maybe some LASIK. Or... No, elective surgery is a serious, serious business. It just means like you didn't get hit by a car on the highway and you're dragged into the ER by, you know, like with your arm hanging by a thread. And so he managed to get this. His pain, you know, after a month or two of rehab, his pain is gone. Because otherwise, I assume what they do if you're in chronic pain and they've canceled all the elective surgeries, they just give you fistfuls of opioids and then wonder why there's an epidemic in ODs. Anyway, it's just mm. uh, it's terrible. So um, so the story with your family, what was your journey to 
hey, maybe there's something not quite right here. And and how did that play out for you? Because we normalize things. We may know that there's something kind of odd, but usually there's a process of peeling back the onion layers with the accompanying tears. And what mm. was the what was the journey for you when you first began to think like, maybe not super normal? Um, well, it really started when my parents got divorced when I was about eight years old. I started, I mean, I've always, I've always been pretty uh, perceptive of people and their behavior. And I think I also have a pretty strong intuition. Um, but when I said that my perception this past year has really been shattered, um, I graduated two years ago. Yeah, about two years ago from high school. And um, my mother went back to her country. She's from Ukraine. And uh, she didn't tell me she was going back to Ukraine until two weeks before she left. Um, this was right after I graduated. And I was living with her. And uh, from then on, I kind of, I it was like a, she was like my number one support in my life. And then I kind of just felt like I was just totally blindsided by that. And, uh, and then from then on, I have been reevaluating my relationship with my family and uh, my dynamic with them, which I think is probably the, my biggest question to you is like, how do I, how do I navigate a relationship with my family as time goes on without just completely eliminating them from my life? So, so that's, that's what we call a skim buy. <laughs> do you ever, you ever do this to you? Most people do, right? I love this. When you go down to the, the lake, it's a smooth lake, smooth as glass, and you get that nice flat rock and you tuck it into your finger and you just tweet, you whip it across the lake and you can get like 10, 15, I think I had 18 once, like skips. So you're real bouncing along the top here. And I completely understand that. But we're going to have to circle back and put on our scuba deer and go go down and, and check out some wrecks here, right? So it's very, very okay. top level. And that's totally fine for the first pass. But I'm aware that the the gap between what you sent in your message and what you just described is interstellar, if that makes any mm. sense. <laughs> So let's go back and talk about, you know, early memories and, and, and what happened when you were little. Um, so my earliest memories are, my, my parents were always very distant. They were quite emotionally neglectful. Um, I remember my parents having arguments at night with each other and I would sneak out and try to listen uh, from the kitchen what they were arguing about. Um, uh, I have really early memories of waking up from naps and no one being home, my mom just being gone, um, and just like crying and trying to, trying to figure out how I could get in contact with someone. Um, yeah, just pretty lonely, like left alone a lot. Uh, another thing is my brother was my playmate were 15 months apart and I spent a lot of time with him as a kid and my mom would uh, consistently leave us unattended at playgrounds um, and we would have to find a stranger and ask them to ask to use their phone to call our mom to come and pick us up. Um, so I have a, a lot of my early memories are. I'm, I'm just, so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, I was just reading a message and I apologize. I just gapped out a little bit. Where were you when you called your mom? Oh, at, at playgrounds. My mom would leave my brother and I alone at playgrounds, and we would try to find strangers to use their phone to call her. What age were you? Oh, uh, six. Like this, 
pretty early memories, six, seven years old. It was before my parents got divorced. So I remember, uh, I remember coming back from just by the by, I just, I remember coming back from, I used to go to Camp Bolton like half the summer when I was in my early teens. And I remember coming back, my mom picked me up from Union Station. She took me up to Young and Eglinton where she went to work. And then she gave me a big, you know, I had my big backpack and tennis racket and all this kind of stuff. And she just kind of turned me loose. And then I realized, of course, I had no money. She turned me loose uh, downtown, (laughs) no bus fare. And I mean, it was a long, it would have been a couple of hours to walk. And I had, you know, my stuff with me and it was kind of messy. So I just remember I I would ask him, I was asking people for money on the street. I, I distinctly remember a guy with a beard gave me a really skeptical look. Like there's no way that you actually need 20 cents for the bus. So I think it was 10 cents or something like that. But he gave me the 10 cents and uh, I bust home. So I just remember, uh, um, I just remember that kind of stuff. I shouldn't laugh because, but, and, and that was just the kind of chaos that sometimes would be around. So. So that mm. that's strange. So you sit there and you wait for your mom to come back, right? And, and then you have that, okay, well, the, the park is emptying out. It's getting dark. What the hell do we do, right? Right, yeah. Oh, and yeah, it would happen a lot, too. And she would kind of be proud of the fact that she would leave us places. Like, oh, You're I, so I just independent. Trust- yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God, God save us. God save us from the self-consciously cool moms. <laughs> Oh, my mom was constantly praising her. I don't mean to make this about me. Like, I just tell you, I think we kind of overlap a little here because my mom was always like, yeah, I'm j- I just do things differently. You know, like when we're at the mall and your friends just like they're embarrassed to see, you know, you th- they want to make you feel embarrassed. Uh, you know, when I'm at the mall, I just take them all for ice cream because I just know how to I just know how to make people like me. And it's like, you are like, please don't give me alternative cool mom here because, you know, you're pretty vicious with a saucepan to the head. So, um, right. but yeah, g- God spare us from the, you know, well, I'm trying new things, uh, you know, like abandoning you at the park because uh, I'm alternative. <laughs> it's like, yeah, alternative is, is, I mean, I don't mind breaking the mold a little bit, but you have to have some idea what the hell you're doing. Right. Okay. So uh, then what? Um. Well, uh, like for early memories that I have. Yes. Um, there's not a whole lot. I My dad wasn't really around. He was a missionary. So he was always away. He would go to Siberia for like months on end sometimes. Um, so he wasn't really around or he was always working. And when he was home, he didn't really pay much attention to the kids. He would just be on his computer or, I don't know, doing something else. And I, I never really felt like I could connect with him. Occasionally, he would he would take my brother and out my brother and I out and we would go on adventures or, or something. Um, but he was pretty absent. Um, as much as I can remember it. It was mostly, I was mostly in the care of my mom as a, as a kid. Um, but some other early memories I have is noticing the disparity between my parents and the lack of communication between them, even when they were together, like when he would come back from trips, she didn't really, she wasn't really excited to see him or anything. Um, and, uh, I remember asking her if she loved my dad from a young age and she would always just stonewall me or not respond. Um, And then I would keep asking and then she would just kind of explode at me and just like get really mad at me for asking her if, 
asking her those questions because it wasn't my business. And, and then one day she told me no, that she didn't love my dad. And shortly after that, I found out she filed for divorce from my father. The, uh, yeah, the missionary thing, that's, I mean, I admire the commitment. Obviously, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. But it always seems, it often seems that the people who are very invested in the missionary thing are not happy at home. Ah, God has called me to abandon the place where I'm uncomfortable and go to a place where I have authority. It's like, I don't know that that's necessarily God. Or I sometimes call them the radar parents. Like, so radar, as you know, it's like using sound waves to find metal objects like hundreds of miles away. And it's great if you need to figure out if Messerschmitt's 109Es are coming across from France over the uh, over the British Channel. But... It's like everybody's sensitivity is really distant. He's like, I've, I've got to go and help the, the people in, in Siberia. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know you have two kids. At, no, no, Siberia. That's where I've got to focus my moral attentions. Yeah, Siberia, thousands of miles away. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. Africa. Yeah, that's where I'm. I mean, I remember my mom being in tears over, you know, the, the bloated bellied kids in Ethiopia and so on and. Just, oh, it's so terrible. It's so sad. It's like, you know, you beat your own kids. Well, but the children in Africa, they're so sad. I can't believe they're so sad. It's like, but you, what? What? You mean if, right. if I go get a tan and a bloated belly, you'll care about me? What the hell? What's with the, what, like, people have this thing where they just, they care for the really distant stuff. And they won't actually focus their eyes on the stuff in their actual environment, which they can do something about. Oh, I hate the Fed. Do you feel like ending spanking? What? No, God, no. Fed, the Fed, the Fed is the, you know, it's like they just, it's the radar curse. It's like all you, all you are is sensitive to things in the grand distance that you can do little to affect and everything that's up close to you. It just completely escapes right. your, it completely escapes your radar. Yeah, I actually have uh, two other siblings. So he has four kids um, and he would leave us at home. But sometimes he would take a kid with him to Siberia Um he never took me, but I know he took one of my sisters and my brother. And my sister has uh, some pretty bad memories from that. Like my dad leaving her with strangers for hours um, in Siberia. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. And do you know what he was doing in Siberia? Not really. I know that there was this family he would go and help out with because the church was always raising money for this family. Um, And he would have a picture of them on their laptop. And I remember getting really upset with him because I thought that he loved them more than he loved us. And I could never understand why he was so passionate about them and why God was calling him to these people and not his, his own family. So, wow, yeah, it's very that's a bit odd, right? It's a bit odd. Yeah, um, was he actually like a priest, priest, or was this just like a hobby, or what? No, he uh, he's not a, a priest or a pastor. I mean, he tried, or at least not. Um, what is it? Some seminary? Though he's not a certified pastor in any capacity. I know he tried starting some churches in Ukraine, which is where he met my mom um, when they had my sisters. Hmm. But it's more like a a hobby thing. So it's just more like a, I guess a hobby thing. I don't really know. (laughs) 
What's that song? It's, it's been floating in my head. I just get it out of my out of my head. Uh, my mother told me good. My mother told me strong. She said, "Be true to yourself, and you can't go wrong." But there's just one thing that you must understand: you can fool with your brother, but don't mess with a missionary man. Anyway, it's a pretty good. It's a pretty good song. It's a pretty good song. Um. Oh, the missionary man, he's got God on his side. He's got the saints and apostles backing up from behind. Black-eyed looks from those Bible books. He's a man with a mission, got a serious mind. There was a woman in the jungle and a monkey on the tree. The missionary man, he was following me. He said, stop what you're doing. Get down upon your knees. I have a message for you that you better believe, believe, believe. All right. So Annie Lennox uh, belting it out like nobody's business. A great song. Um, great harmonica in it. All right. Musical interlude aside. <laughs> With your mom, you said your mom was your big champion earlier, or your big confidant. So, how are things with your mom when you were young? Um, I was pretty scared of her. I was, <laughs> I was very scared of her. Uh, she didn't speak English very well, and so there was always uh, a language gap between us. Um, and she also spanked us a lot as kids. Uh, so, yeah, I never felt secure in her presence <laughs> whatsoever. Right. Um, right okay. Just angry at her a lot as a child. Right. And how old were you when they split? Um, so I was eight, and then the divorce was finalized when I was 10. So I guess it's always a big question I have if they're like, we're, we're Christians. It's like, okay, but you did make a vow before God, right? So right. how did they square that circle? Um, well, there was just a lot of lies, a lot of secrecy. Uh, I didn't know, but I found out that my mom actually cheated on my dad with a pastor <laughs> from another church. Um, and But when she was getting divorced, she told me that uh, that he wasn't putting the family first enough. And she just couldn't handle it anymore, and uh, he wasn't—he just wasn't supportive enough, and she didn't love him anymore. Right, right. Do you know what drew them together in the first place? Uh, I just know they met at a wedding, and my dad was this foreign exchange student, this attractive young foreign exchange student that all the Ukrainian girls were kind of falling for and my mom was incredibly beautiful and kind of just gave him the cold eye she didn't really look at him or really want to talk to him but she caught his eye and um then that's i guess they the, it was just a physical attraction that probably just lust that drew them together and i think they got married six months later after meeting well i'll tell you this my very first serious girlfriend, Svetlana. <laughs> very Russian. <laughs> My second <laughs> serious girlfriend, very Ukrainian. Anyway, just by the by, <laughs> you, you, you all bake some lovely, uh, lovely crumpets. So, <laughs> yeah, she was really gorgeous when she was younger. I mean, she still is. But yeah, you, uh, you, you take what you want. <laughs> and then the bill comes due. <laughs> so. All right, all right. Um, 
Actually, no, I shouldn't say they were actually they were nice, nice, nice women for the most part. But um, girls, I guess at that point, yeah, I'm almost in my teens. Anyway, so yes, Steph, Russia connection confirmed. Somebody pointed out, and it's an interesting question. That's why it's great to have these comments. Is that uh, do you ever get the feeling, or if you look back, do you think some of the times when your mom was dropping you off at the for hours and hours, I guess, at the parks, was she having an affair? Was she dropping you off so she could be with a lover? I have no idea. Not not to my knowledge. Um, she still hasn't ever said what she was doing, other than errands, supposedly, when she would drop us off. Okay. Okay. Got it. All right. We have not yet excavated the heart of darkness, which is fine. I just wanted to know the progress here, but uh, I've, I'm, I've put on my pith helmet and my goggles for, I assume, the next part of the story, because it does get pretty dark, right? I mean, we're kind of joking around a little bit here, but the story does get pretty dark as we go forward, right? Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. So what happens next? Um, so my mom files for divorce, and uh, she remarries this guy who kind of comes out of nowhere, which is this pastor from another church. And uh, within the same year, my father also remarries, and he remarries my sister's best friend, my oldest sister's best friend, um, a woman who is 23 years younger than him. Who marries your oldest sister's best friend? My dad. Your dad marries your older sister's best friend, 23-year age gap. Yes. Is your father Leonardo DiCaprio? <laughs> I just got to gotta check these things. No. I, okay, I mean, he's, he's, he's a handsome man, but he's not that handsome. I, I don't... I, still don't understand they're still married and i don't understand no one understands that relationship uh did did they have more kids so uh they did they had two uh one child died um and they had another child who uh, who's a young a young girl okay wow wow yeah oh man okay um Creep factor, not quite maximum, but certainly creeping up. <laughs> creep factor creeping up. All right. So uh, we, we we got to before before your parents separated. How much you said that there was they would be fighting and you sort of cr crawl out to listen. What sort of conflicts were, were going on? Um, I didn't always understand because they would switch in and out between talking in Russian and English, and my Russian isn't good at all. I can't speak, and I can only kind of understand if, like, they're talking to me slow enough, and they would be talking really fast, and or sometimes they would just be yelling at each other. So plus, I, I plus don't. Plus, as a child, you may not know, know some of the words they'd be using. <laughs> at least I hope right. you wouldn't, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I don't know what it was exactly that they were arguing about, um, other than that my mom was mad at my dad for not being around or, or something. I think money, I know money was always a really big issue because we were pretty poor uh, growing up. We lived off food stamps and got our food from a food program. And uh, we actually didn't pay for rent either. Um, someone, we were living in this house with uh, quite a few other people living in there as well. And there was a, a woman who kind of ran the whole show and she paid for our rent, which I didn't know until this past year, actually. Well, how did that go about? I mean, that's that's pretty nice. 
<laughs> um, she is. Uh, it's it's kind of complicated what her relation. She supposedly she's my Grammy, or she would make everyone call her Grammy. She was kind of the head of the church. Um, and she was definitely running the show. She was like a big time. She was actually a divorce lawyer, funny enough. <laughs> and uh, she had this house, this big house that was split up into apartments. And uh, we lived in one of the apartments. And um, she, I think she, she was married to my dad's dad. So my actual grandfather. I'm, uh, I'm going to take up half the wall with the lines here. Like just coming in and out of these these relationships. Um, wow, that's that's something else. All right. So your parents get get they they split, right? Did they didn't sort of hang around in the same place while the divorce was going on? Did they like physically separate? No. So my mom was. We moved into another house. We we actually got a house and we moved out of the apartment. And my mom was planning on living downstairs in this extra bedroom kind of running the household and taking care of the kids. I don't know why she ever thought that was going to work out. And then my dad was pretty pissed off at her because she, he found out about this pastor that she was seeing. Cause he would actually sneak into the house at night um, to like pick her up or see her. And he caught him coming into the house one time. So they were around for a little bit uh, together in the same house. And then, I don't know if my dad kicked my mom out or what happened, but she ended up moving out. And then the the young wife moved right in after my mom moved out. You mean the friend of your elder sister's? Yeah. Oof. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a bit of an FU to your mom, right? The moment that you break up and you say to someone, you're replaceable, you're trying to destroy their sense of individuality or being loved or lovable. Right. Okay. And then what happened? Um, well, and then I had to decide who I was going to live with, whether I wanted to live with my mom or my dad. And I chose my mom because uh, I wasn't really ever close with my dad, didn't really know him and um, didn't like this woman who was suddenly moving in, this young woman who she also had two kids previous to um, from an, another marriage. You mean the 23-year-old? Yeah, yep. She was a, yeah, she okay. Had, all right. I guess a slightly different cultural time frame, but all right. All right. I'm I'm there. Yes. <laughs> She's a single mom and uh yeah, so she moved in with her two young kids who were pretty annoying and I didn't really like them. Um and my mom always talked pretty badly about my dad and so I decided to live with her because uh, I thought my dad was like the devil. So I moved in with her and uh, her and this pastor that she remarried. And we were actually homeless for a little bit. We were living with his parents for a little while because he didn't have a house. He didn't have a place to live. And he was living with his parents. Um, 50-something-year-old man. So, And we were like uh, living in his childhood bedroom. And I would sleep on the floor Oh my God. I have I have this he, vision of, of like the house collapsing but the mold staying up. Right. All right. So so you're sleeping in your dad's childhood bedroom. While uh, he's my sleeping stepdad, with yeah. a twenty three year old down the hall. Oh no, no sorry. No, this is, your, yeah, your mom. this is Yeah, I'm living with my mom. That's who I decided to live with. 
Okay, so okay, so he's he's moved back in with his parents. I mean, did I guess he didn't make money? He didn't do much professionally. Is that right? My stepdad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was a car salesman, and he always talked about making a lot of money, but clearly he didn't um, make much money. Uh, that's why he moved in with his parents. He said that the the housing market was too hard to find a place. But we were living with his parents for quite some time. And then we moved into his sister's house. And that's where we lived for quite a bit. Um, I'm sorry, is this uh, which country are you in at the moment? I'm I'm in the U.S. The U.S., okay. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Um, and then? Oh, and then... Um, well, then I, I kind of started to see my stepfather as my father. <laughs> he took the place of my already pretty absent father and I really admired him and um, loved him a lot and he loved that. He loved that I was his new child Um, and we had a good relationship but I started noticing from an early age like just feeling uncomfortable around him because he would he would say graphic things like he would say like some sexual sexually graphic things around me about like my I I would also hear them having sex my mom and my stepdad and he would like almost make a show of it it was pretty uh uncomfortable and sorry how old were you at this time I was nine oh god parents please 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 keep it quiet my god yeah. You know, he, he, to, to kids, it just sounds like assault. It just sounds like violence. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, and would you remember what sort of, what, what sort of graphic things would he say? Oh, like stuff like your mom and I don't need lube and um, <laughs> like I used to fuck 20 year olds before I met your mom and I could get whoever I wanted and like you know you're gonna start getting boobs soon and all men just want to fuck you and just like stuff like that and it would be explicit like that too like he would just say fuck in front of me and um, all that stuff but at the same time sprinkling God on top of it all (laughs) right I'm oh god I'm so sorry Sophia that's that's just unbelievably appalling that you've got this creepy freaky greasy scummy guy bragging in graphic terms to a nine-year-old um was your mom ever around when this was going on yeah oh yeah she never said anything uh, um, she wasn't always around, but yeah, I remember he used to brag that the neighbor was always flirting with him and like she would talk naked from her window to him because we would we made a garden in their yard. They let us use part of their property and uh, he would always brag about that. And I think I t- told him one day that to stop talking about it and he just like lost it on me and said I can't talk back to him and uh, I have no right to do that and that he's the head of the household Um, well and listen I'm sorry to interrupt you but I just wanted to sort of point out two things 
somewhat to the audience. But the first is that, you know, people are saying, oh, this was a pastor. Oh, they're Christians. It's like, okay, well, Christianity fully accepts, fully accepts that human beings are sinful and fallible. And it also fully accepts that there would be a lot of evil people who cloak themselves in the cloth, right? There will be a lot of evil people who will enter into um, positions of authority within Christianity, but that the first place that the, the church is going to, the first place the devil is going to target is the church. So I just really want people to understand that Christianity has explicitly and for thousands of years warned that the church can be the greatest source of immorality because that's where the devil is going to target and the devil is very cunning and all that. So if people think that somehow Christianity is detonated by this pedo priest or whatever you want to call him, then uh, yeah, just understand that, that Christ was the first person to warn about the corruption that, that comes from cloaking yourself in moral virtues. So that's the first thing that uh, I wanted to mention about about this aspect of things. So just don't don't jump to the conclusion that this is somehow damning Christianity. It would be like, you know, somebody somebody using UPB to hoodwink people would not invalidate UPB, especially if UPB warns that people, as I've always have, that people will attempt to use virtue to mask what is happening, uh, to mask corruption and all of this kind of stuff. So I just really wanted to to point that out. The second, I guess, is... I always find it incredible what kind of guys get women. I've, I, I always like literally find it jaw-droppingly shocking. Like your your mom, as you said, is a beautiful woman. And this is who she ends up with. As a beautiful woman, she could have got a nice guy, I assume, right? She, but but the, and I, I hear this, you know, I listen to this podcast on occasion, um, uh, Crime Junkies. And, you know, there's, this, there's shows where, like, oh, yeah, some guy, he, he kills two girls, right? And then, uh, you know, he ends up getting caught and, and he's like, oh, yeah, his girlfriend then came forward and said, oh, yeah, he'd sit in front of the TV and he'd be staring at some horror movie and he'd said, I, I, I've done that stuff. You know, and, and so, like, guys who literally will strangle women in a ditch get girlfriends. Guys who put creepy oily, I don't need no lube, tentacle fingerprints on innocent little girls, well, they get a beautiful woman. I remember this when I was a teenager, like the, some of the hottest girls, some of the most attractive girls, some of the prettiest girls would just end up with these trolls. And it's just like, okay, and I understand it now, self-image is everything. And it doesn't matter what you look like from the outside, it's how you feel on the inside. That's what's going to dictate who you end up with. But uh, it is really... You know, it's one of these things kind of annoying for men, right? That that it's like an insult to all good men that a beautiful woman is going to end up with uh, a, a creepazoid like this. I just sort of wanted to to point that out. But whew, wow, yeah, yeah. Well, he was really handsome. I mean, he was a really handsome guy, um, and he was also very charming. He was very very charming. He knows how to, uh, <laughs> I guess. He, I don't know, make people feel good. <laughs> um, well, he's, he's a car salesman. The, he's got the whole car. Yeah, he's a car, he's a car salesman. But he's not that right. charming because he's a, he's a failure as a car salesman, basically, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's not that charming and he's not that good. He's not like Bernie Madoff charming, right? Mm-hmm. Right. right. I mean, Bernie Madoff was so charming that a woman who was writing a book about Bernie Madoff 
went to Bernie Madoff in prison and said to Bernie Madoff, uh, listen, I need an exclusive because if, you know, it's going to take me a while to write this book. And if you give interviews to other people, it's going to be really bad. And he's like, absolutely. I totally understand. I will give you an exclusive, right? And then, of course, she hears rumors that he's talking with a bunch of other reporters and this, that, and the other. And she she goes, she's like going down to, to she confronts him and he gives all these explanations and, and all of that. And then she goes home and one of her colleagues says, wait, you're writing an entire book on how fraudulent Bernie Madoff is and he defrauded you. <laughs> I mean, how good is this guy? So, you know, Bernie Madoff, I mean, complete human predator on the nth degree. And by the way, the SEC was informed by multiple people from many times. There was one guy who, who handed over all the data as to how Bernie Madoff was a complete and total fraud and a liar who was stealing billions of dollars. And the SEC just, you know, eh, you know, we'll, we'll get to it someday. Anyway, so sorry, just by the by, it's just wild to to think, you know, because I'm sure there are a lot of men who would look at someone like your mom and say, wow, she'd be, be really like to take her on a date. It's like, nope, because the uber creep, the turbo creep has her. Yeah, she's got a track record of not picking the greatest men because uh, she was actually married before my dad um, that I I found out about later. Uh, she was in a very abusive marriage, and uh, I, I think my dad h- helped her get out of that marriage. Wow, good, good. <laughs> okay, so how did things progress with Uncle Spanky Fingers? Um, well, uh, around the age of 13, I started to see him for who he really was. I started to realize how much of a hypocrite he was, and then that just grew into this hate, this like really deep hate that I had for him. I'm sorry, because we just kind of jumped from nine to 13 and that's fine. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to know, right, okay. was there a progression or did he kind of just do this circle shark? Is this a shark circling at the same distance or did it slowly wind in or, or was, how did that, did he get further away or where was the creep factor uh, over those four years? Over those four years. So, um, I remember he told me he saw one of my sisters naked one time and he uh, like said that he was like appalled or something and that was a big thing. My sister said that never happened but he says that he saw her naked and uh, then he um Ooh, this is, I, I've locked out a lot of stuff from, from this time uh, as things started to go south with my relationship with him. Um, so I don't recall a lot of information. Um, Are you recalling it but don't want to share? I, 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 you don't, don't share anything you don't want to, right? I mean, I think the more you share, the yeah. better it is, but don't share anything you don't want to. Is it that you recall but don't want to share or like there is a big block there? No, there is a big block there. Uh, I... Uh, he he was just very manipulative like he would tell me that i needed to go to school get good grades go to college graduate get married and just be a great wife always telling me i was going to be such a good wife um and like point out how my body was changing too as i was going through puberty and uh i remember i wanted to wear leggings because leggings got popular and he like got really mad one time when I walked out wearing leggings and 
like refused to let me go to school and my mom um made me change into a baggy sweater and baggy pants yeah because i mean what if you go to school and, and some guy says something inappropriate to you right like yeah i f 23 year olds and i don't need no lube with your mom you're like oh my god oh my god yeah. And, and your just, mom knows uh, I, about this yeah. stuff. Knows about it. She's in the room sometimes, right? Yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Can we can we pray together for a cleansing fire? Would that be okay? Like we just get on our knees and you know, I, I don't even want a flood because a flood is too gentle. I just want cleansing columns of fire. I want I, I want I want society to put the same effort into dealing with these guys. And sometimes women, as it does with a bad flu. That's all I'm asking. Just, just can we mm. throw the same level of effort into dealing with pedophilia as we do into dealing with COVID? Anyway, cleansing fire. I don't know what that is in Latin or Ukrainian or Russian, but you know, maybe we'll do the chant afterwards. <laughs> cleansing fire from above. That's what we need. That's what we need. Good lord. All right. All right. So, um, so the creep factor. It, it it sounds like it's going up a little bit, but not too too bad. Yeah. Uh, so, and then apparently when I was about 11 years old, my oldest sister approached me who's 10 years older than me. So she was 21 or 22. I can't remember if I was 11 or 12, but uh, she approached me and asked me if he'd ever touched me inappropriately or if I was scared at night. And I was surprised by that kind of because I knew that he was creepy but it didn't really register with me at that age I didn't understand it it had just become normalized to me like oh this is just how he is this is normal um and she told me that he molested her uh and I asked her if she had told mom and she said yes and my mom apparently didn't say anything or didn't believe her um okay so sorry and and i'm absolutely appalled of course but i'm just trying to get my time frame correct so you were 11 your sister is 21 your parents separated when you were eight so he's been around for three years so that would have made her 18 and when did he was he around before i'm just trying to sort of figure out where she was in this situation how old she was she or why she was there no she no was no living how old how old how old was she when he molested her oh um it happened when she was like 21 it happened a few weeks prior before she told me this apparently so it wasn't child molestation which is obviously even worse but it was uh like a form of sexual touching uh against her will obviously yes right? yep Whoa. okay and why is she, okay so she's trying to figure i guess she went to your siblings as a whole and tried to figure out if this was a pattern of behavior is that right no all i know is that she went to me and asked me because i was the only one living with my mom because i was the youngest my brother chose to live with my dad and my other sister was also out of the house i'm trying to figure out why she's coming to you and not the police i mean you're 11 I guess she's trying to gather evidence to whether she can go to the police or like, I don't yeah, go to the police so for God's sakes. Her and I actually had a big argument about this um, a couple months ago. Uh, Cause I, I demanded 
this for, I, I asked her ex precisely that. Why didn't you go to the police or call child protective services? And she said she did go to the police. She said she went to a friend of her, uh, some friend who was a police officer and told the police officer who didn't believe her or said that because she doesn't have any evidence, it wouldn't hold up in court. Uh, do you believe that? No, I don't. She's a pathological liar, so I, I don't believe that. Right. I mean, look, it's an ugly and difficult thing to do. Lauren Southern just released a video she did with a cop because some guy grabbed Lauren Southern by unmentioned lady parts in a grocery store, and she went to the cops, and the cops said, oh, yeah, well, you know, uh, we'll, we'll take your clothing. We'll we'll get the DNA off it. And now in this situation, there was CCTV. There were witnesses. So this guy, I think, was on probation, or, or so I think he went back to jail for good, right? But um, the he said, she said stuff can be tough, but at least you can establish whether there was touching. And, of course, if there was touching... Uh, it's a stepdaughter, and there was touching in a sexual, like a breast or a butt or, or genitals. Um, that would that would be pretty bad, right? Oh, and by the way, the woman, if I remember rightly, I, I, if I understood the video that Lauren put out correctly, uh, the cop said about half the complaints from the women turn out to be false. Mm. Half the wow. complaints <laughs> from the women turn out to be false. My God. Absolutely appalling. I mean, to me, you, you make a false accusation, you get the jail term that the person you accused would have gotten just the way it is all right okay okay so you said no right i mean did you say oh he's being creepy and inappropriate but that's a no as to the actual sexual touching right yeah i said no i i said no that you know he's just the typical the way he acts creepy you know he says creepy things but he's never touched me and she said, okay. And then I, I honestly didn't believe her at that time either because I, 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 I didn't understand any of it and I had a hard time believing it was true. Um, and she was pretty in and out of the house anyways. Um, and she had just been divorced too, actually. She got married at 19 and then divorced a year later. So. Right. Okay, so uh, we got you to 11, then there was a bit of a fast forward to 13, right? Yeah, 12, 13. Um, and did you feel uneasy, sorry, did you feel uneasy at night? Did you feel like you can't be alone with the guy? Was it just, oh, he just talks and you just kind of ignore it? Or, or how did that play? Yeah, I definitely felt, I always felt scared at night. I always was um, like waking up and like just wide awake looking at my door making sure my mom shut my door shut tight at night with it locked I remember I had an obsession with that making sure that the windows were closed and locked and the doors were locked um so I definitely was scared at night um I I don't uh, yeah I just remember having a constant just crippling fear at nighttime um when I was alone with him I was definitely uncomfortable. I was always a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, so Was he fairly... Because this stuff can be a little compulsive for these creeps, right? Like it's just they can't stop themselves. Almost it seems that way, right? Was it fairly constant? Were there times when it was less or...? Yeah, there, there were times when it was less... Um, I definitely have some good memories of with him, of like him taking me fishing um, 
or like driving me to school in the morning. Uh, it wasn't a constant flow of inappropriate comments, but uh, yeah, it would okay, happen so, pretty often. So, ha what happened? What happened next? Um, after I was a uh, yeah, so twelve, eleven, twelve. Um, let's see. I, I switched schools a lot during this time because we moved around quite a bit. So I was always in a new environment around new people. And, uh, my parents or my mom and my stepdad at the time decided when I was 12 to take me out of public school and put me into a private school. So they put me into this private school, which was a very liberal private school. Um, and I was able to get a scholarship and uh, financial aid to go there. And my whole world changed <laughs> when I moved, when I was started going to that school, because um, my parents were pretty conservative. And I started thinking quite liberal, because um, I had all these liberal teachers and uh, yeah, thinking pretty left, I guess is a better way to put it. And uh, my parents thought I was getting indoctrinated at the school, which I mean, they're right to an extent, but it also started to make me realize how, um, how much of a liar he was because he was putting up this front of being this like pastor family man in church, but at home he was pretty emotionally abusive and, uh, creepy <laughs> and sometimes volatile. He had anger problem, anger issues where he would punch a hole in the wall or like go and punch his car door. Um, one time I remember, I remember he threw out the food that my mom made for dinner because it wasn't cooked the way he wanted it to be cooked. So. Wow. Okay. Okay. And then. Uh, and and then I I started rebelling a lot <laughs> at this time I'm, as I was getting into my teens and just trying to stay away from home as much as possible because I had this hatred of him um, and things became pretty dicey between him and I we would he would instigate arguments with me it was usually about like. I don't know, politics or something that I wasn't really educated on whatsoever. And um, he would just start these arguments with me and make me feel pretty pathetic and kind of dumb and um, just embarrassed. Like I was really embarrassed to always talking to him or being around him. And um, when I would fight back with him, he would threaten to kick me out or say things like, I can ruin your reputation. I have things I can say about you that will make you never have friends again. Or, um, you just, yeah, just like all sorts of threats. Wow. I mean, this is like the early deplatforming, right? Yeah. Right. And, um, did how how was your mom getting along with him, or how was he getting along with your mom at this point? Um, they would fight and they would get into arguments. Uh, but my mom, she's really non-confrontational, so she just tends 
to default to stonewalling and not saying anything. Um, and he would usually just like dig into her for something. Uh, and sometimes she would yell back at him, but she mostly took her anger out on me. I noticed she would like, if I broke a cup or something, did something, she would just yell at me. Um, so she wasn't really that present either. And again, she would disappear for hours on end in the day. I I have a memory of my mom always, always being late to pick me up from school and being the last kid waiting on the curb for her and always having to call a teacher, come and get me and, and ask, where is your mom? Is she coming? Does she know that she was supposed to get you an hour ago? So she was just absent, just like totally emotionally and physically absent. Right, right. Okay. Um, do you know why she stayed with this guy? It wasn't the money, right? I mean, was it the looks? Was it, what, what, what was it that would keep her? She said she had no choice. Um, when I asked her now, I, I tried having conversations with her about it, and she said she had no money and no choice but to stay with him. So she didn't have any kind of income or anything like that? No. Nope, she's never had a job in the U.S. Too too pretty to work, right? <laughs> too prideful, yeah, as well. <laughs> so, too pretty and prideful. I mean, would she say that she had more choice than you? What do you mean, have more choice than me? Yeah. In in what context? Well, you're the kid. You couldn't do anything at all, right? Really. Oh, right. right? But yeah. she, she could stay. She could go. There's shelters. There's welfare. There's lots of, there's other guys. There's like, you know, there's lots of options for her, but there's no option for you, right? Right. So she basically gave up the security of her children for money, if I understand this correctly. Yes. Like she sold you in a way. So that she didn't have to work, she was willing to offer up her kids to this turbo fucking creep. Yeah. If I'm wrong, if I'm being unfair, you know, please tell me. I mean, I, I don't want to characterize things unfairly. That's sort of where my heart is leading me, which doesn't mean that that's rational or philosophical or anything. I'm just telling you what's what's in my in my heart. No, that's... That's totally right. I mean, I, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know how much she really cares for her kids over herself. Oh, um, no, no, you know, you know that. Know. No, you know that. No, that, that's yeah. one thing we absolutely know how much she cares. Like, we have, I mean, we have like, an hour of empirical evidence so far that is unbelievably damning. So, like, there's lots of things I don't know. I don't know where you lived. I don't know your middle name. I don't know your birthday. And don't tell me. I'm just saying there's lots of things I don't know. But there's a couple of things I do know. And one of the things I do know, and please, audience, correct me if I'm going astray or I'm letting my heart take me on a journey. But we absolutely know how much she cared for her children. She put them directly and clearly 
in staggering harm's way for money. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm incredibly um, sorry for that. I'm incredibly this is this should not have been your experience. You know, I mean, you're just supposed to be treasured and, and protected and loved and people are supposed to enjoy spending time with you and you're not supposed to be exposed to anything age inappropriate and you're supposed to be guided and, and respected and treasured. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely felt like things were, uh, it was always my responsibility to handle things well because um, she told me, always told me that I was handling the divorce the best and I was the only one that understood because I, I felt like I always had to, I had to defend her and uh, their relationship um, because everyone told me that, uh, well, everyone hated him first. This was before I, I grew to hate him. Um, but the one thing that I don't understand is how everyone knew that he was such a creep and no one did anything. No one no one did anything. I have to, so I have to get back to your biological dad, which for all of his faults, and it seems like there were quite a few, it didn't seem to have that, well, yeah, I guess he did marry your sister's friend, right? Yeah. Okay, that's a little weird, but that's not quite in the realm of, I mean, certainly nowhere near this guy's creep planet, right? Right. So... I mean, I assume your dad would have known or, or heard about it, or did you say, or did your mom say, or was he ever present for it, or what? Um, I would tell him, I would definitely always tell him what I was experiencing, and he just w w would get really quiet and wouldn't really say much. He was pretty cowardly about standing up for himself or the kids, and then he... Whenever he did show emotion, it was anger and uh, just he, I, I remember during the divorce, he was pretty violent toward my brother. Um, I have a memory of him actually throwing him down the stairs and my brother getting a big gash on his back. Um, so my dad, uh, it, it, he knew, I, he knew what. I don't know if he knows about the molestation with my sister, but he knew that this guy was a creep because he used to sneak into the house before their divorce was like during the beginning of their divorce when my mom was still living in the house that the stepdad before he was married to my mom would sneak into the house. And uh, my dad didn't really do anything. He just, he said, get out of my house. I've, but he n never like threatened violence or called the police or anything. Well, no, because because yeah. that other guy's an adult, and and people who bully children they don't want to bully adults because adults can fight back. Adults can go to the police. So adults can punch them. Adults can throw them down the stairs. It's no. I mean, if you want to bully someone, that's no good. I mean, you, you want to right. bully a little kid, right? Because little kids don't have any power. Little kids have nothing to do but submit. Uh, little kids can't fight back. 
And so, yeah, I mean, if you're a bully, of course, you don't want to take on an adult. You, you just want to corner a little kid and throw him down the stairs so you can feel like a tough guy, right? Yeah. That's pretty accurate um, of my dad. So, how did things play out post-13? Uh, post-13, I tried to get away from the house as much as I could. I stayed at friends' houses a lot of the time um, and just tried avoid tried to avoid being home as much as possible around my stepdad and my mom. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I just was, I started partying a lot in high school and um, being kind of promiscuous, but always, always doing well in school so that, you know, my parents couldn't really do anything. I just was really secretive too. I kept everything a secret with what I was doing. Um, and my but I feel like it was definitely obvious what I was, you know, that I was getting up to no good, but my mom never confronted me about it. And my dad sure as hell didn't know anything that was going on because uh, he wasn't really in the picture at all because he was starting a new family with another woman. Right, right. But he didn't molest you, right? It was just your sister. The stepdad, yeah. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to say just your sister, like, well, that's all right, I mean, or anything like that. I mean, but but in terms of who he focused on, to your knowledge, right. it was only, so only is better, only your sister. Yeah, to my knowledge. Right. And did the, uh, did the creepy comments stop at some point? Yeah, he pretty much started to ignore me when I was... 15 years old, 15, I would say. He just, like, stopped talking to me altogether. And do you know why he did that? Um, not really. I think it's because he knew that... I think he knew I hated him. No, no, and, he knew... No, it's not uh, that. Sorry, you're, you're, you're a very, very nice young lady. You really are. And... It's not because he knew you hated him the whole time, right? So why would right. he stop when you're 15? Um, I I don't know because I'm just gone through puberty. I no, you went through puberty before then, right? Right. Yeah. Well, can I can I tell you? Yeah. So, when did you start dating? Um, I started dating when I was 15, <laughs> yeah. So, what's the new factor for him? Oh, uh, other men? <laughs> Younger boys? Yeah. You, start, you start dating. He doesn't know. You could be dating a 16 or 17-year-old who's built, right? Who's worked out. Mm. And so, if he lays a hand on you or creeps you out, then you could tell your boyfriend and the boyfriend could come beat the shit out of him, right? Mm, right. That's why he Oh, I, wow. 
Wow, that's never crossed my mind. Well, that so I mean, this is not. I mean, it's not super uncommon that a man who's creeping out on a stepdaughter or a daughter, the moment she starts dating, he's like, "Whoa, that's enough of that," because <laughs> now uh, some guy and his brothers could come over and say, "Did you say this to my girlfriend?" Uh, let's let's have a talk outside, right? Right. Right. I mean, if you look at the patterns of your life, if you've been, if you've had abusive parents, if you look at the patterns of your life, it's all driven by abuse, by covering up, by keeping it quiet, by keeping it silent. There's a reason why you kept moving. It's so you couldn't form permanent social bonds. There's a reason why they put you in a school that was skeptical of Christianity and hostile to Christianity if they're very liberal, very left, right? So yes, that you wouldn't, very, yeah. yeah, so you wouldn't gain any any allies you wouldn't meet any real christians probably that way right but you see see here's the thing and i'll say this to the audience and i'm, I'm sorry to pause on this and i'm i really want to keep on with the story but it's just too important to 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 drop so listen if if you have not done significant immorality in the world and by that i mean things for which there really is no restitution if you've not abused children if you've not beaten people up to the point where they're physically injured in some significant way or beaten people up at all. If you've not terrorized people because you're an addict of some kind and you've emotionally brutalized people and stolen from them and so on, if you've not done significant evil in this world, you don't know what it's like to have this problem in your brain. Which is, what if I get caught? What if I get found out? What if somebody goes to the cops? What if somebody beats me up? What if somebody retaliates? You don't know what it's like to have this crazy bat in your room, so to speak. Like, you and I, we just go to sleep or whatever, right? But if, if, if there's a bat in the room, we probably can't go to sleep. We can't rest until we deal with the bat in some manner because we don't want the bat chewing on our jugular while we're sleeping. We don't know what it's like to have a bat in the bedroom. We just don't. And so for you, this is why I say, like, you're a very nice young lady, and I, I respect you enormously, and, and you're doing great, very, very well in the conversation. And so it's hard for you to look at life and say, oh, gosh, okay, well, what if I've been creeping out on an innocent little girl since she was eight or nine years old? You don't have that in your head as something that needs to be managed and figured out. Right? And, and of course, all of the people who did this shit were not exactly expecting people like me to come along and open this whole can of worms. On the internet, right? This, this is one of the reasons why people are so hostile to what it is that I do. Because, you know, I kind of get where they're coming from. Because society, society, society used to be about the uncovering of crimes, and now society is just the covering up of crimes. It's all society does, is cover up crimes. It cover up theft from the young, abuse of the young, drugging of the young, exploitation of the young. It covers up um, uh, counterfeiting through the Federal Reserve. It covers up intergenerational debt slavery through the national debt it, it just all it does is cover up crimes i mean take a silly oh not a silly example but a distant example right the um uh, one of the reasons why the taliban was popular in afghanistan was that the traditional afghani culture has significant portions of child rape involved because there are these i can't remember the name of it but there's this ritual where the little boys dance and then the older men rape them and the taliban put a stop to that Whatever other horrors the Taliban do, they put a stop to that. And then when the U.S. overthrew the Taliban, this practice came back. And in fact, the soldiers, the American soldiers in Afghanistan were told not to interfere with this pedophilia, not to interfere with this child rape. 
because it's cultural. Oh, so now, right, so the, the, this crime against his rape of children was assuaged by the Taliban. The U.S. got there, it's back, and, you know, now, of course, the U.S. is going to leave. This practice is going to spread even more. The Taliban's going to come back because people just don't want this happening to their children. And they will, okay, well, the Taliban will stop it. They'll just run to, to that, right? And if it comes with, uh, you know, fundamentalist uh, beliefs, then, okay, but at least my boy isn't going to get raped in these horrible ways. So, so that, this covering up of crimes, is, is, that's all society is doing these days because generally the government has become so powerful that if you've committed a crime, that's where you want to be. That's where you want to be is in, in the government and, and all of that. And so it's really, I mean, if you want to understand the world, and I know we all do, and I'm still on this journey, right? But if you want to understand the world, you have to, you have to think of the bat in the bedroom. You have to think, okay, I don't have a bat in my bedroom, so I can just go to sleep. But what if there was a bat in the bedroom? And what if there was a bat in the bedroom every night? And what if everywhere I went, there was a bat that followed me? What if everywhere I went, there was a bat flitting around my head? And it never fed, and it never went away? I mean, that would be, uh, it would drive you crazy, right? So if you don't have a significant amount of guilt and self-horror and potential criminality to manage, then you really don't know what it's like out there in the world for a lot of people. You know, most people, you know, they circumcise their kids, they put their kids in terrible government schools, they will be happy to drug their kids, uh, they, they will uh, hit their kids. So we don't do that, most of us here hope, right? We don't do that. So we don't know what it's like to be on the other side and, and have these bodies, like you're walking around just dragging all these corpses around you, except the corpses are dead, except shows like this bring them to life. Right, So you're dragging around all these bodies, which is really unpleasant and stinky and smelly and dangerous from a health standpoint, but at least they're dead. right? And then shows like this come along, and we start saying the magic words that bring these bodies back to life. And they are angry, and they are red-eyed and horror and hunger-filled. And so this, this ritual that we're doing of bringing the dead back to life, and I don't mean you, the dead, I mean their, their guilt, right? This ritual that we do, this public magic spell that we speak with each other that brings the dead back to life, turns a guilt movie into a horror movie. Like we are literally changing the script of people's lives and inserting the zombies of their own bad conscience. And they really get angry and they're really full of horror because these bodies stay down until we bring them out of the graves, right? I mean, this is what Jesus is supposed to do in the end days, right? He comes and he brings the bodies back to life. And we're kind of doing that in a little way here through these conversations, not your bodies, but their bodies, the horrors of what they've done. We are bringing them back to life. And people are hearing movements in their house. They are looking behind at the chains with which they have tied the bodies because you can't ever get rid of those. And they're seeing that the hands are beginning to twitch and the heads are beginning to turn and the growls are beginning to come and the arms are beginning to reach. And they're absolutely, completely, and totally terrified. And, of course, they can't look at themselves. They can't fight the bodies, so they try and fight us instead. Just so you understand the world that we bring into being for other people when we talk about this stuff. So, yeah, look at the Catholic Church. Uh, this is, there's been pedophilia there, of course. 
the Jehovah's Witnesses, what is it, Prince and Michael Jackson, the Lutherans, uh, you look at um, uh, Orthodox Jews, high levels of, of child abuse, and, and you look at uh, um, Islam, high levels of child abuse. Uh, the ancient Aztecs uh, had a god that required the tears of children, and they would actually pull out the fingernails of children and physically torture them in order to make sure that they got the tears of children. This society is built on the bones of children, you and I. When I, was a, when I was a little kid, I've not mentioned this before, I'll just touch on it briefly here because I want to make sure that we stay, keep the focus on you. Mm-hmm. My mother had a boyfriend who had a lot of money. Do you know what else he had in, in our apartment? Entirely illegal photographic material. I'll leave it at that. Entirely illegal oh, photographic wow. material that really revealed to me what kind of danger I was in and what she was willing to put me at risk of. So it is just appalling what is uh, what is going out on out there so okay so let's get back to you we've got the teenage years you're starting to date in terms of promiscuity where did you sort of fall on on this particular spectrum was it like a different guy every weekend or was it like serial dating or how did it go from there um i was yeah i wasn't sleeping i didn't have sex until i was 16 um but I was definitely getting a lot of attention, and um, is it sorry? And sorry to interrupt. Did you inherit your mom's looks? Is that was that part of the issue? Or <laughs> yeah, I definitely look a lot like my mom. <laughs> okay. Um. So that's a lot of power for a person who has felt powerless for a lot of their life. Now there's a lot of power because you're getting a lot of male attention, right? So you're kind of going from re- feeling really helpless to a like ah, you know, surging amount of electrical sexual market value power, right? Right. Right. Yeah, and I, I was confused about my sexuality, too, for a little bit. I I didn't know whether I was straight or not. Um, and Well, straight I, didn't so look I, very good, right? Yeah. Just like, right, oh, yeah, exactly. I know a lot of straight people. They're horrible, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was for the promiscuity bit, um, just getting a lot of attention and uh, going out on dates, dates with seniors when I was a freshman, um, definitely getting like attention from older, older men and like really in- enjoying that, really liking like older boys looking to me and like t- wanting, wanting to be with me or something um, that just gave me such a rush. I and was it so? Help me understand the rush. Was it that they would like take you out for a nice dinner, or so you had access to some resources that you wouldn't otherwise have had, or was it mostly the attention? Was it like flowers and presents? Like what was what was the major part of it for you? Oh, access to resources I didn't have. I wasn't allowed to take driver's ed. They wouldn't let me drive, and my mom also tracked me on my on my phone. So I was trying to get away as much as possible away from my mom and my stepdad, um, and just their tight grip on me. So I turned to older boys who had more resources. Right. So a guy would ask you out to take you out for a nice dinner. Maybe you go see a movie back in the day when you could and you felt special and you felt desired and you felt wanted. And that's pretty, it's very tempting, right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Right. Right. And did the guys 
meet your stepdads? Did they, I mean, did they? No. There's a no, big shield I never usually there. Them. Like, I, I yeah. want to stay attractive, so I'm not bringing you home, because then you'll see the... <laughs> <laughs> right. I never brought anyone around. I was too scared to. I didn't want to bring anyone around him or my mom, but especially him. And what was what were you scared of? His reaction, their reaction, both, or what? I was scared of his reaction, yeah. Because right. he always told me I wasn't allowed to date until I was 30. 30? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I assume that was kind of like one of these not great jokes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the pretty bad joke, I guess, if it was a joke, but definitely always told me I was forbidden to date. I wasn't allowed to do that. And uh, that I was on this path that I needed to stay on if I wanted to be successful. So I didn't end up like my sisters is what he would say. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, and of course you can't date because the boys could be dangerous, right? To him. E yep. Exactly. Right. Okay. And what would happen? Well, I mean, whether, whether, young men or boys that you liked and it just didn't kind of work out or, or how did that play? Um, I got a thrill from just getting attention from as many different guys as I could. I, I never really wanted a boyfriend. I never wanted just one guy. I kind of just wanted to keep on charming as many as I could. So I, I never had a, a boyfriend in, in high school. Well, until I was a senior, but yeah. And was it in the nature of like an addiction? You'd get the high and then would there be a crash or, or would you just want another high or, or how did it work in terms of like wanting lots of boyfriends? Yeah, I would get a high and then I kind of would lose interest and then move on to another. So that's what I... That's what I did. And did the boys want to keep dating you and you would just like ghost them or, or how would that play? Yeah, exactly. They, I would always get them to like fall in love with me and then I would break it off or move on. And why would you do that, do you think? I mean, I know that there's the new resources thing, but why, what was your thought about that? Uh, it made me feel powerful. Um it made me feel like I was in control and uh, yeah, it gave me a rush. I mean, it's a little cruel and I don't mean to say that you're a cruel person, but I assume that some of the rush was, you know, men have caused a lot of trouble in my life. Men have creeped me out. They haven't defended me. They've, they've hurt me and uh, you know, take, take that male. Right. I don't want to say what your motivation was in, in all of its instances, but that's one that strikes strikes me. And, and if you tell me that's wrong, I'd certainly believe you. No, I would say that's right. I, I had a lot of anger pent up inside. Um, and I, yeah, I was definitely hurting a lot of boys and getting them to like me, fall in love with me, and then just ghosting them or ignoring them or... Um, sometimes yeah 
Yeah, just doing that. I remember Wait, I, sometimes, I think I cheated. Sometimes what? Hang on, hang on, <laughs> hang on. What was that? What was that little, we just hopped, did a little wee hop, skip and a jump over there. What was that? <laughs> um, I remember I cheated on my first boyfriend. I would definitely be flirting with other guys while I was dating. Whoever I was dating, I would try to make them jealous or envious or, yeah. I would be quite deceptive. I would definitely very deceptive. Right. Was there any any boy who did want to um, who, who you were tempted to to make a go? Yeah. So I, I had a serious boyfriend who I moved in with um, right after I graduated. Who was older, a little bit older. Uh, who I started seeing when I was seventeen. And we dated well, like a year and a half, maybe. He, seven, yeah, I think I was, oh yeah, about a year. So 17 to 18. And if there was a guy, I mean, the guy that you were more interested in, what happened with that? Um, I found out he cheated on me and then I... I moved out and then I moved back in to give it another go because uh, I was on, I don't know, I was on like the the Jesus train. I thought that bringing him to church was going to fix things, uh, but it didn't. He, he, uh, yeah, he just was uh, pretty emotionally abusive. And I, then I found out that he had a physical abuse record. Uh, or yeah, domestic abuse from a previous girlfriend before um, that he lied about that he never had been arrested before because um, I remember I asked him that, but I, I found out about it. And sorry, there's just a couple of dudes in the in the chat who are struggling with with empathy. So listen, guys. I mean, did you ever know? Did you ever know a friend of yours who got a lot of money as a teenager? For, for some reason, right? Maybe it was an inheritance. A, a friend of mine, his mother died, and he got $100,000 from her life insurance. He was still in his teens. And how sensible was he with that money? Well, not sensible at all. He bought a computer. He bought a truck. He bought... They just blew it all, basically. Um, and, and, you know, so if you were... Let's say you were 15 and somebody gave you a million dollars cash, how wise would you be with that? Well, the answer is you wouldn't be wise with it at all because you're still 10 years away from brain maturity. So uh, this young lady got a lot of power, a lot of uh, um, demand uh, after a rejected and abused and neglected childhood. And she deals with it uh, in the same way that men deal with getting a million dollars when they're 15. Boys, right? I mean, what are you going to buy? Is it going to be, oh, no, I'm going to go invest in Bitcoin. Like, you wouldn't do that, right? So uh, just have some understanding and, and people are probably processing because here's the thing too right here's the thing too so your your process of in a sense seducing these guys now i understand it wasn't all sexual so we're talking about you said you charmed them and they would fall in love with you right yeah so mm -hmm. you were and the reason you went from guy to guy do you know why do you know why um not not really, other than the the fact that I would, I don't know, that, that I got a rush from it or that I was bored or whatever. 
Yeah. yeah, so I can I can tell you why you went from guy to guy. And listen, when I say I can tell you why, if you disagree with me, you can totally tell me and it's your life. So don't let me tell you what. But I'll tell you why, I think. You went from guy to guy because you still hated men. And the reason you hated men was everyone thought you were so wonderful, but you were wounded, deeply wounded from your childhood. So you wanted to find a guy who would see through the beauty, who would see through the charm, and actually see you for who you were. But all of these guys were like, oh, you're the best. Oh, you're the greatest. Oh, I love you. And it's like, but you didn't feel like a strong and virtuous and courageous person. You felt like a pretty hollowed out shell from a brutalized childhood. And, and, and yeah. the guys were all lying about this in a way because it was just lust and charm, not who you actually were. And so you were like a, a punishment for the men who were lying to you. And they were lying to you because a man should get to know you, should find out about your childhood, should sympathize with all of that. And not just like, oh, you're so pretty, let's go on a date. And, and you're so charming and you're so vocal. And you have great verbal skills and you've got a great sense of humor. And so you are very charming. But you wanted a guy who would see through this shadow puppetry of I'm cool and pretty and unapproachable and sexy. And, and you wanted a guy to actually see the wounded person there and empathize with that. But instead, it was just this lusty shell bullshit that was going on. And yeah, I'm with you, man. Make him hurt. Yeah, make him pay. Make him pay. I I'm totally with you on that. Make him pay until they stop lying to you. Yeah, wow. <sighs> wow. And and none of them punched your creepy stepdad. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, it's yeah, like you need the the, uh, the woman and the man, right? They, people need to see the real you. They need to see the real you if you're going to have any empathy for them. Why not should have should you have empathy for them? They had no empathy for you. They had no empathy for your history. They didn't care to pierce through to the real you. They didn't have any sense, like, why on earth isn't she bringing me home? What's going on at home? What was her childhood like? They, they weren't being empathetic to you. They were trying to use you completely. Why, why on earth would you have, like, yeah, use them. Get some free dinners out of these lying bastards, right? Right. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. And all these guys were like, oh, that's cruel. Yes, there's a little bit of cruelty in it, but they were older for the most part, and they should have been wiser. Hmm. So, yeah, screw them. Or rather, don't screw them, but take their money. <laughs> take their money. <laughs> right. If that, does that, I hope that gives you some sense of, like, you weren't just being, you know, a bitch or, or mean. But no, these yeah. guys were all bullshitting you, right? All bullshitting you. Like, I, I remember when I was a, a, a teenager, I was... Uh, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just filtering here to make sure that, that I, I keep people anonymous, because not... Their fault, I'm a public figure. But anyway, so I, I went on a couple of dates with this girl, really, really liked her. And just, it never clicked. It, it never clicked in terms of like, I don't mean sex or anything like that, but, but just in terms of like any kind of real romance. Anyway, so many years later, I had a couple of lunches with her because I ran into her downtown when I was working in the software industry. And, uh, well, don't you know, and I won't get into deep, she had an unbelievable, immense, horrifying personal family tragedy going on at the time. Now, I was like, I don't know, 15 or 16 or something like that. And, and so it's not like I had many skills to figure these things out. If she had talked to me about it, I certainly would have listened. I was a pretty good listener even back then. And 
I didn't know the real her, but she was very pretty. <laughs> but I didn't know the real her. I didn't know what was going on in her life. Now, I didn't have any resources for her to exploit because I was broke ass at that age as I have been from a good chunk of my youth. But no, these guys, uh, they weren't interested in the real you. They didn't want to get to know you. They just wanted to stare at you and be charmed. And yeah, you know, the brightly colored snakes tend to be pretty poisonous. You don't pick them up. <laughs> you get to learn about them, right? Yep. So yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Uh, they, they need to be punished until they uh, stop lying to you. And I'm sorry that they're, you know, they didn't have a dad saying, okay, she's very pretty. That's wonderful. You know, it's, it's nothing wrong with being pretty. Being pretty is, being pretty is my only crime, right? So there's nothing wrong with being pretty, <laughs> but, you know, don't, don't lie to a woman and say, oh, I just think you're wonderful. It's like, no, you're pretty and you're charming. You know, it's, it's like the girls who's like, oh, I just want a boy who's cute and funny. He's cute and funny. Mm -hmm. Like, do you want to get to know him as a human being? Do you want to go through life and the trials and troubles and tribulations and get old and sick and die? No, he's cute and funny. She's pretty and charming. It's like, ugh, come on. I mean, you deserve to smash up against these rocks if you're sailing that badly. Mm. Mm hmm So, I'm sorry. Could yeah, you just back off your mic song. a little bit? Because I'm getting this breathing thing, you know, which... Uh, oh, sorry. You're creeping <laughs> me out, lady. No, I'm kidding, right? So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, just, just, uh, and this is, this is to the guys out there too, you know? I mean, get to know the woman. Get to know the woman as a person, as, as not just a pretty vagina with stilts, you know? Like, just, just get to know the woman. Uh, she said she broke up with them after they fell in love with her. I don't think so, Stefan, but they didn't fall in love with her. They didn't fall in love with her. Because they didn't know her. They didn't know her history. They didn't know how she'd been wounded. They didn't know the horrors of her childhood. They didn't know how alarmed she was at men and sexuality. They didn't know how she'd been creeped out by a stepdad at the age of nine, talking about not needing any lube with her mom and banging 23-year-olds. They, they didn't. And I'm not saying this means she's not lovable. She is lovable. But you can't fall in love with someone while ignoring their entire history. You, you, you can pretend to, but it's not real love, Right? Because you, they need to know the real person. And you were, you know, when you were a kid, right? You were a teenager, right? You were putting on a show. There's nothing wrong with that. That's kind of how we start because we're not usually raised very authentically. But you were putting on a show, right? And, and that show fooled a whole lot of people. They were all there voluntarily, right? So, and who can blame you? Because you didn't have anybody around you who wasn't lying to you or, or misleading you or abusing you or exploiting you or ignoring you or like you didn't, you didn't have anyone. How are you supposed to learn a language if nobody's ever spoken it? You don't even really know it exists, if that makes sense. So no, yeah. I, I sympathize. I really do. Thank you. I appreciate that. And that's, you should, you should be known for who you are. Because that's the only thing that's going to sustain you in a lifelong relationship. You can't keep up bullshit forever, right? You, you can't. You can't just keep a charm up and a lie up and all of that. And, and the real person is the person that people should want to get to know. And that's the only, because that's the thing that's going to outlast, you know? I ain't as pretty as I was 30 years ago, but hopefully I'm wiser and smarter and have more courage and, and whatever, right? So that, that, that the love can grow from there. But, you know, looks fade. We all know this stuff, right? This, and again, you're 20, so I know it's still a ways, a ways over the horizon. But, you know, so, so it was for me when I was 20, and here I am 34 years later. And so, so you got you to gotta build your foundations deep for, you know, a, a, 
permanent relationship. All right. So we are um, – we got to 1516. Now, and I'm you don't have to answer this, and I, but I'm, it's important for me to know, but that doesn't mean you have to answer it. Um, with regards to the dating guys, was it often sexual, sometimes sexual, not particularly sexual? I mean, did you break up with them before it got that far, or, or how did that work? Um, it wasn't particularly sexual. No, I, I would – I would say I'd break up with them before it got too far. Did you get any guys who weren't so down with the breakups? In other words, they're like, no, give me another chance. I'm the guy. And you went, did they get any stalkers or anything like that? Because it can be a bit of a risk that way. One, there was one who threatened to hurt actually there was two there was two there was one who threatened to hurt himself he would send me pictures with like a knife up to his neck if i didn't respond to him or be with him um and there was another who uh actually attempted suicide and he wrote me a letter from when he was in rehab somewhere um but he also we weren't exclusively dating when I, I saw him. He was still messing around with other girls. Um, and he was actually with a, a girlfriend of sorts. I don't know what she was when he overdosed on some pills. So there was there was only two that ever put up a fight about it. Right. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, that, that can be that can be a risk for sure. All right. So how did things play from there? We got I think we only got four years to go. Yeah, uh, so when I was 16, I was convinced that there was something about my stepdad's past that I didn't know about. Um, I knew that he'd been previously married before and that he had five kids uh, that never he hadn't spoken to since 1992 or something like that. Um, and he always said it was because his ex-wife turned them against him. And I... I didn't believe that. So I found them on Instagram and uh, Facebook, I think it was. But I was able to reach out to them on Instagram and they all blocked me except for the oldest daughter uh, talked to me and told me that the other siblings were scared that they would find out where he, where they are. So they didn't want to talk to me. Um. So, sorry, just I didn't realize I could get messages from this. Um, Ignore the messages. <laughs> I'm ignoring the messages. So, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. So I talked to his oldest daughter from a, a previous from his previous marriage, and she told me that he was very abusive to all of them, and that he sexually abused her and his other daughter. And they had a restraining order against him and that their mother took the kids and ran away to another state to get away from him. Um, and that's why they hadn't talked to him since 1990 or something like that. So hang on. So he sexually abused his children, according to their reports. Was it the was it the mother who had a restraining order? Because, you know, the, the penalty for pedophilia is not a restraining order. Right. Yeah, it was a mother who had a restraining order. So the mom took steps to protect herself and I guess moved her kids, but she didn't report to the police to the point where other children or your sister could have been protected. 
brain. Oh, man. Do you know how much, how much more peaceful the world would be if women actually did work to protect others in, in this way? You know, if, if your mom had worked to protect you, if this woman had worked to protect other kids, and look, I'm not saying it's only women, but we all know that men can be abusive and neglectful and so on. This is why I keep talking about women's responsibility in the cycle of violence, right? Oh, my kids are fine now. Oof, I got him out. I got a restraining order. It's like, you know, he can be around other kids now, right? You, you know that. You know that he can be around other kids and it's not going to be pretty, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so I found out all this information when I was 16 and I, uh, I didn't know if I should tell my mom right away um, because I, I didn't really want to go live with my dad and I didn't know where else I could live. So I thought I should hold off on telling her until um, before I graduated, right before I graduated. So I, I had this information and I actually told my dad about it and he, again, didn't really have much of a reaction or say anything. Um, you told your dad that your stepdad had accusations of pedophilia from his previous children. I did, yes. Oh, man, Sophia, I am so sorry that 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 you were surrounded by these cowards and weaklings and selfish, selfish people. I'm so sorry. My God. Because this, this is a guy who'd molested one of his kids, right? Or when she was an adult, but, but right? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I mean, that's incredibly disappointing then as well, right? That you come to your dad, who's supposed to help and protect you, and you're still a kid here, and you're still in this environment. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I, um, eventually told my mom, I sat her down, I think it was like uh, within the next, I, it was the summer, it was in the summer of I think 2017 and I told her either 2018 or something. I, I told her like a year later about what I had found out talking to his children and she just got really silent, didn't really say anything and then she demanded to speak to the kids, um, to the uh -huh. daughter, from his former relationship, from his ex-wife. Well, that's a kick in the nad, so to speak. Do you yeah. know why? Uh, why she responded that way? Yeah. Because um, she would finally have to confront the reality of who he was. No, 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 no. You're such a nice young lady. <laughs> you really are, but that's not it. No, that's not it. Because she didn't, she doesn't care about her kids. Because the odds that those kids are going to talk to her are virtually nil. And she's saying, I don't believe you. 
why would she need to talk to these uh, strange kids, right? She, you, you, you told her what happened. So she's saying, I don't trust you. I would like to put up a standard wherein it's impossible to achieve and therefore I don't have to act. I mean, did the kids end up talking to her? Uh, yeah, actually, the one of the kids, the, the one who talked to me, she agreed to talk to my mom. Okay, and then what happened? Uh, then my mom tried to keep it a secret from my stepdad, and their iCloud accounts were linked. Somehow, um, she was emailing the daughter, or she had an email about the daughter, and he got a notification on his phone. And the following day, the police showed up at our house, and he said he was moving out, and uh, that the police were the police were there to keep the peace while he moved his stuff out. Gah! Auga plot twist. <laughs> okay, okay. So, okay, I'll, I'll back up, and and so she didn't want to act on this, so she probably threw up a standard which said, okay, I need to talk to these kids with the idea that they wouldn't talk to her. But then when they talked to her, she still didn't act. So the purpose, of course, was not to act. But in my first response, and again, I say this as an older person, not in the situation, so it's easy for me to say, but my response would be like, no, you don't need to talk to anyone. I'm, I'm telling you, I talked to them. Do you not believe me? Do you think I'm lying? Do you think I'm making something up? I'm your daughter, right? She should She should trust you, not need to go and... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I you do. You know, if 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 some if my you know, my wife comes home with a black eye and she says, Oh, this guy at this store pun the, the, the shopkeeper at my store punched me, what am I gonna say? Well, I'm gonna need to get this confirmed from him. No, I'm not I trust my wife. Of course she's gonna not gonna lie about it, right? So oh my god, so the the stepdad, by accident, found out that your mom was in contact with his former children, or his children from a former marriage, right? Yes, yep. And then, what was his thought process, do you think, at this point? I need to protect myself. I need to get, a, I need to get the bat under control. <laughs> Good use of metaphor. <laughs> well done. Well done. All right. So he's like, "Oh my God, we have to, we have to deal with this, right? This is this has got to be fixed. It's got to be solved, right?" Yeah. Right. Okay. So he feels the walls closing in, right? That it could be the case that his wife is going to talk to his kids from the kids he molested, or at least one of them. And then she might go to the cops, right? Or she might convince them to go to the cops, or she might, it might be further corroboration. Did, sorry, did her daughter, who was older, the 21-year-old, did she tell your mom that you remember or no? Yeah, she did tell my mom. Okay, um, so now she she's molested. got, you know, she's seen, she's seen the guy be creepy with you. Her daughter's talked about this, and now she's got other kids. So um, there's that situation going on. So he's like, he's bugging out, right? He wants he wants to get out, right? He's got to he's got to get out, right? Now, Lord knows what he told 
the police, right? Yeah, that's the thing I don't understand. I I have no idea why he got how he got the police involved and I think my guess is he wanted the law to be on his side before my mom could get it on her side. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Probably that's it, right? Right. Okay. So So he's out, right? He's out, yep. And how does that play? Uh, he moves out, and then we were renting, so now we don't have money to rent this house. So my mom is left with a house full of stuff because she's also a hoarder. So the basement is just filled with crap, and she has about a month to pack up her things and move out, and I have to figure out where I'm going to go. Uh, are you 16 at this point? I was actually 17 at this point. Wow. Wow. And how's your mom doing with all this? During the time? Yeah, yeah. She stopped eating. She lost a lot of weight. Uh, she, she just completely shut down. She wasn't really talking to anyone. And just like became fixated on on the stuff in the house and yard sales selling things just running around thinking about getting a lawyer but wasn't said she couldn't afford it i offered to pay for a lawyer i was working at the time i i was trying to offer my support to the best of my ability and she i i told her we could live together i could get a full time job and I could hold off on school because yeah or I could do yeah so she um just totally shut down now do you know why she stopped eating I mean I would assume you say stress and depression or whatever it was right it's probably another reason I don't know to make herself more attractive oh yeah she's got to get ready for the next guy right Wow. <laughs> I'm telling you, you, you don't, you, you, are, you and I are blessed not to have bats in the bedroom. So it's hard for us to, you know, I've, I've written a lot of bad guys in my novels, so I kind of know how this process works. But the body's like, oh my God, we got to crank it up again, man. We were just getting comfortable. Now we got to lose weight because we got to get another guy. And, right? Right. Right. Yeah, so uh, she was moving out, and uh, she was mentioning here and there that she might go back to Ukraine, and I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Eventually, <laughs> you Please could go do. back there. Right. And how does she survive in this brave new world that has consequences in it? Oh, running away. Did she go back to Not, Ukraine? She did, yes. So uh, I graduated and she went back to Ukraine. She told me she bought a plane ticket, a one-way plane ticket, two weeks before she left. And she's just like gone, baby gone? I mean, that's it? Gone and didn't talk to me. What was her game plan in, uh, sorry, how old was she? Just give me a rough, like, was she in her 40s, 50s? 50s, in her she's 50s. She's in her 50s, right. Mm -hmm. So, so she's done the, 
equation and said, okay, I can't get a guy who's going to be super wealthy at this point or provide to me in the manner to which I've become accustomed. My kids are old, so there's not much older, so there's not really much point going for child support. Can't really get any alimony. So I need to reduce my cost of living, so I'm going back to Ukraine. Exactly. That's <laughs> exactly what she said. Yeah. She said she she had nothing here. She Her kids were grown up. She has nothing going for her. She has no money. She was trying to get alimony. She couldn't get alimony. She couldn't afford a lawyer. She couldn't do anything. So she decided to go back to Ukraine. See, if she was younger, she could have just got a lawyer by sleeping with him, but she's in her 50s now, so it doesn't work as well, right? Right. <laughs> right. Okay. So she buggered off to Ukraine, right? Yeah. And is she still there? No. So she traveled around from Ukraine. I, I, I know she was in Jerusalem for a little while. She was in Portugal, I think. Then she was in the Netherlands. Uh, she was doing work away, which is like woofing, I think. Okay, she doesn't have it's any like family. It's like you, I feel like you broke it into Russian here. She's doing work away, which is woofing. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, like woofing. It's like working on on farms, working for people in exchange, getting living, uh, or people giving her food and housing. This is called woofing. Yeah, woofing. Are you just okay? I've never heard you're making things up now, right? You're just like you're just trolling me at this point. It's called being a cockatoo. Why? Why do you ask? <laughs> Woofing? Woofing. Literally working on a farm for free to stay home. It's slavery. No, it's not slavery. It's voluntary. Working for a place to stay. It's called woofing. Wow. All right. I've conditionally said that you may not be lying to me because, or if you are, it's it. You. Oh my God! It's a whole circle of people lying. You know. Okay. I get it. I get it. Um, so she's woofing. Now, that's an odd thing to start. I mean, she didn't do any physical labor. Did she do physical labor while she was married? Uh, no, other than raising kids, but I, she would fix things around the house, but, uh, she never had a job. Cause that's kind of like a weird thing, right? To, to, in your fifties. Listen, I mean, I tell you, you know, if, if you ever want to feel mortal, like, don't play a sport for a while and then pick it up again in your 50s. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm a wreck. You know, I mean, I didn't play squash for a long time. And I'm like, hey, I'll just jump into squash again. It's like, and my body's like, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> no, no, you won't. No, you won't. I mean, you, could, you can jump into squash if you want, but I will make you cry for your mother. And, and that's, that's, you know, I have to be in a pretty big extremity to actually cry for my mother. But um, so, I'm like, I'm the, so I'm just like, she's diving into physical labor in her 50s. That's like, oof. Woof, woof, hey, I just said it. Maybe that's oof. It's like oof, it hurts so much. Maybe that's where the word Maybe that's where it comes from. Wow. Maybe because yeah. I thought when you said she's traveling, I just thought maybe she had boyfriends who were gonna like visit or Yeah, well, I don't really know is the thing. This is just what I've heard secondhand and she hasn't really talked to me much about it. She didn't talk to me really at all while she was away. Uh and she actually, I haven't spoken to her in a while, even now. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So is she still, no, some woman in her 50s went all eat, pray, love. No, no, she didn't go all eat, pray, love. Because eat, pray, love isn't cleaning out pig shit while you're hobbling around with, with tendonitis. So, um, 
So is she still doing this Roman and the Gloman stuff? The woofing? Is she still doing that? or? No, she came back in the fall and she was living with a family friend. Uh, and then she took off somewhere. No one knows where she went a couple months ago. And then come to find out that she's in Florida and she's with God knows who. She won't tell anyone who she's with, but apparently she's in not a good situation and is stranded in Florida. And do you know why she's back in the States? Why is she stateside? I can tell you I why. Don't know. He said being annoying for the fourth time in the conversation, but I can tell you why. She was looking for another husband? Nope. No, she's too old for that, probably. Or too, you know, any guy who's got decent resources is going to look for someone who's not her. Right? I mean, yeah, no, she's good looking, but she's, you know, she's they're just going to look for someone who's younger. Uh, bum off her kids' resources. Yeah, that's right. So she knows she's got a very pretty daughter, so she's hoping that the pretty daughter lands somebody who's got money that she can sponge off. In other words, yeah. she's hoping to pimp you out in a way that she did uh, when when you were a kid, right? Right. Actually, well, before she left to Ukraine, she tried to do that. Um, she tried to move in with my me and my boyfriend at the time. She was like, oh, I can just come and live with you guys, and I'll, I'll clean the house, and it will be fine. And uh, my boyfriend was not uh, he was not going to do that. He wasn't. Sorry, expect- she wanted to come live with you and your boyfriend. Yeah, this right, was before okay. she left. Yeah, yeah. So, so she's you know she's hoping that oh yeah, I got a got an attractive daughter. She's very charming, very pretty. So I'll just uh, you know she's like just flailing around, just trying to find something like a like a octopus in a toilet swirl, right? She's just trying to grab onto something so she doesn't go under, right? Right. Boy, that's a vivid image, isn't it? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry. Like, I'm really, really sorry that she's ended up in this situation. It's no obligation to you, obviously. I mean, a woman who put you in proximity to a potential, well, to a pedophile, according to his kids from the previous marriage. Yeah, a woman who gave a pedophile dominion over you and knew that he was creeping you out with his language and didn't do anything to protect you. Like, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that people make these decisions. Again, no obligation on you. My God. I mean, it would be, you know... Uh, there's no obligation on you, God, but but I'm I'm really sorry, you know. I'm I'm in the same way. Like I'm really, if your mom smoked like a chimney and you kept begging her to stop, it doesn't mean that you got to give her a lung when she gets lung cancer, right? Like I'm really sorry uh, that she made these decisions, or maybe she was beyond free will by the time you you popped out. I don't know, right? I mean, but I am just. It is. It's it's terrible. It's terrible to see how this plays out for people. You know, like this endless fairly mediocre movie the irishman you know the, the guy is like hey i'm a bad guy and then his kids don't see him and he gets older and it's like yeah that's a shame but maybe he shouldn't have been such a bad guy <laughs> it's like you know what 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 can you do right you can't you can't change the past you can't change what the decisions that people made have done to you 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 can't get your childhood back you like too late it's too late it's too late so and, and it doesn't sound like she's learned anything and it doesn't seem like um she's had any revelation or growth or uh, knowledge or understanding or anything like that, right? No, I mean, she says she has. She says she's grown a lot closer to God within the past year. But I, she, she won't talk about the past with me. She refuses to have any sort of humility in conversations. 
Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, so she... The, the, best, the best thing... I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm just about to blurp some some advicey speech which you know i don't know where we are relative to this to the to the information you want to get across to me so go go if there's more i i, I really want to hear it oh no please please give I, i'll take any any advice the kindest thing that you can do to people who won't listen to reason is let them hit rock bottom say that again the kindest thing you can do to people who won't listen to reason is to let them hit rock bottom. She's not listening to reason. She doesn't have a sense of shame or guilt or any horror at what she's done or what she exposed you to. I don't know that she's ever sat down and really apologized to you for the incredible danger she put you in as a kid for money. And the number of women who use their children as financial fucking leverage is truly staggering. The number of people, of women, who use their children as financial leverage is really appalling. I mean, we know about this in the family courts, but in this particular instance, he had money, he was willing to spend it on her, and she was willing to put you in unbelievable levels of sexual and physical danger by having you shacked up with a creep pedophile God knows who he was thinking of when he had sex with your mom. Actually, God wouldn't know. That's too much even for God. Satan would know, but not God. And it's just, where, where, where could she possibly get any kind of self-knowledge or wisdom or potential for salvation from? Well, she can't get it as long as people are pretending that she didn't do terrible things and holding her accountable. And, you know, the, there's a show called Intervention, which I've watched a couple of, and uh, the pattern is always the same. It's that there's this drug addict, or usually it's a drug addict, or alcoholic, or some addict, right? And they're emotional terrorists, as these people tend to be. And, you know, if you don't drive me to go and get my drugs, I'm going to kill myself. If you don't drive me, I'm going to set fire to the house. If you don't drive me, I'm just going to go and sell myself on the street, and God knows what's going to happen. And so, you know, the parents being terrified, or whoever being terrified, will, will go and drive her and make sure she's safe and get the drugs and pay for her, Right. If you don't give me money for drugs, I'm going to go and steal it and I could get shot and I could end up in prison for 10 years. And just, again, it's the drug talking. They're beyond free will. They have just become, in a sense, kind of rabid animals or emotional terrorists is probably the better way to put it. And what happens is the, the, the counselors, they have the same advice every time. Stop enabling her. And you have to absolutely say, like, you have to go and get help and stick with the program. Or I'm doing, I'm ha having absolutely nothing to do with you. I'm having absolutely nothing to do with you. Like you're cut off from money, from my house, from emotions, from, from loyalty, from love, from anything. Now, that's a pretty standard way, as far as I understand it, of dealing with people. So they're saying, listen, you didn't stop it when it was easy to stop back in the day, right? Like all habits start as cobwebs and end up as chains for better and for worse, right? And so... You didn't stop it when it was easy to stop. You're escalating now. And me trying to help you is only making things worse, right? There are some people you help them and things get a lot better and it's wonderful. And there are some people who they just need to hit rock bottom. I mean, 
Isn't that the story of the flood in the Bible? Humanity has to hit rock bottom in order to change its ways. And letting people fall is the only chance they're going to bounce. You, you try to hold them, you just everybody goes down forever. Letting people fall is the only way they can possibly have a chance of bouncing. It does no guarantee, right? I mean, I've let my mother fall for 25 years. And she never did bounce, which means that if I'd have held on to her, we both would have fell forever. I wouldn't be having this conversation. I wouldn't be married to my wife. I wouldn't be a father. I wouldn't be doing the good that I'm doing in the world, right? So if people bounce, if they wake up in a gutter, blood on their hands, sirens around them, then okay, maybe they can change. Maybe. But if they simply fall forever, they would have just taken you down with them. And I can't let my own soul and free will and moral integrity be compromised by evildoers I had no control over. I, I can't. I, I, I just, I can't. Then, then that's how good disappears from the world as evil drags it into the void by promising change which can't be achieved. You know, one of the things that kept me around my mom for so long was this belief in free will that she could choose better. That once I accepted, as I had been working with rather recently, to say, okay, she was post-choice. She was post-free will by the time I knew her. If I'd have thought of that that earlier, I would have not spent as much time with her as I did, trying to help, trying to fix. And all she was doing was dragging me down into the void with her. You know, some people, you swim out to try and save them from drowning, and they're grateful, and you pull them to shore. But a lot of people will just drag you down with them, and the Grim Reaper gets two for the price of one, and that's no good. So I just wanted to sort of point that out, that your mother has done, in my view, unbelievable immorality in her life. You don't sell your children for money. I mean, I... Maybe, maybe things were never put that starkly to her. Maybe she never really understood it. I did an interview. It's not out yet where the guy was saying, like, one thing I've said, if, if, you, if you ask the right questions, what you need to do becomes blindingly obvious. And if somebody had said to her, well, wait, are you taking this guy's money and offering up your kids in exchange for money? That's not good. That's, that's like, if, if it had been put to her that way, not that you would be able to do that, but if it had been put to her that way, which, of course, her religious community or moral community should have done, then that would have been pretty clear, right? Right. But either she never thought of it or it never occurred to her or it occurred to her and she ignored it. But you, you can't help her. You can't. Yeah, and the thing is that I have tried to tell my siblings and the, the family friends she was living with that I was concerned that we were enabling her bad behavior because she, I noticed that she wasn't any different when I saw her a year, over a year later for the first time um, because she just went right into lecturing me on things I was doing wrong or um, just pointing out how I've gotten ugly in ways and just being uh, 
pretty cruel to me. And I've told my siblings that we have to stop enabling her. We can't, you know, give her a car to drive or buy her a place to stay. And I've just been, I've just received a lot of harsh comments and have pretty been pretty alienated from my family. And I'm at a place right now where I just don't know how much effort, how much responsibility do I have to, to try to put in fixing, doing damage control or trying to make my family realize that this is toxic behavior. Is there doubt on the part of your, I mean, your mom doesn't admit fault as far as I understand, but is there doubt on your siblings part that this is toxic behavior or was on the part of your mom? Is there doubt that on it isn't toxic? Part, that, that your mom is, that is toxic behavior or toxic history on, in your family? Um, well, they just come up with excuses for her. They say that she just grew up, grew up harshly. She grew up in the USSR. We can't blame her for how she is. And we have oh, to help okay. her. So, so all you have to do, this, this universal, universalism is self-defense. Universality is self-defense. So what they're proposing is a rule. And listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a UPP guy. I'm a universally preferable behavior guy. People propose rules. I'm like, yep, let's put it through the machine, man. Let's put it through the wood chipper and see what comes out, right? So they're saying you can never hold someone responsible if they had a bad childhood. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So you had a bad childhood. They can't ever hold you responsible. So if you decide to cut off with your mom, they can't ever blame you because you had a bad childhood. Now, the moment they blame you, then they can't say... Your mom is not to blame because she had a bad childhood. You had a bad childhood. Right? So so that's, I mean, I won't say that emote, like that's easy from an intellectual standpoint, right? Because all you need is the right words. So they say, well, mom had a bad childhood, so she's not responsible. Okay, then why are you holding me responsible? I had a bad childhood. Well, it wasn't as bad. It's like, you don't know that. And, and how much of a bad childhood do you have to have in order to not be responsible? Why am I responsible? When I had a you know, creepy pedophile around me my entire childhood, there was abuse, there was violence, there was divorce, there's been no acknowledgement of any responsibility. My stepfather molested my sister. How bad exactly does it have to be before we get let off this wonderful skyhook of free will and moral responsibility? Because it seems to me my childhood was pretty bad. You could say, yeah, your childhood's pretty bad too. But if we're going to start creating this magic fucking wand of bad childhood means no moral responsibility, then don't try and pressure me with any moral arguments. Because the moment you pressure me with moral arguments, you're saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter if you had a bad childhood, you're still responsible, in which case, go talk to mom. And if you don't want to talk to mom and instead you want to bully me, then you're just bullies and cowards. And you're picking on me because I was a kid with you, because I'm younger than you, because I'm a nice person. But if you guys try to use my niceness against me, you're as bad as mom. If you try to say, well, we're going to try and get Sophia to do this rather than mom, because Sophia listens to reasons. She's not a dangerous person. She's not going to bully us. She's not going to use emotional terrorism on us. She's a nice, reasonable person. Nice, reasonable person. So we'll bully her because she's the reasonable one. So... The moment that anybody tries to hook you in with a universal rule that they would never in a million years apply against someone actually dangerous, fuck them, man. I'm sorry, man. That is, that is about as bad as things get in a relationship. 
what do you want to do? Forget, forget obligation, right? Because if obligation is important, if obligation is important, then your mother was obliged to protect you and keep you safe, as was your father, as was your stepdad, as everyone in your environment, as were your siblings and everyone, right? Your sister was an adult, 21 years old, when she was molested by this guy, did she go to the police and keep you safe? No. No, she did not. She was an adult who knew that you were in the house with a pedophile. Did she work to keep... And you had seven years to go to adulthood. Good luck, sister of mine. But we've got obligations to mom. Okay, where were your obligations to me, sis? Where were your mother's obligations to me? Where, where are dad's and stepdad's obligations to me? Where's the entire fucking society's obligations to keep me safe? Don't start talking to me about obligations. You all were the older siblings. One of you was older than me by 10 years. You knew how dangerous a situation I was in and you did nothing to keep me safe. Don't talk to me about obligations, you intergalactic hypocrites. You did not fulfill any of your obligations to me to protect me as the youngest in the family. So if you want to start talking obligations, go look in the mirror for about five to seven years and then come back to me with an apology that makes Mars look like a grain of sand. Yeah. Yeah, um... My sister, my oldest sister, was actually living with me a couple months ago because I got my own apartment and I'm doing pretty well for myself. And she had no place to go. She had no, she's in a lot of debt. And she came and lived with me. And she's 30. Um, they will never let you, they will never let you accumulate any resources. You know that, right? The moment you start doing well, what's going to happen? Just going to latch on and try to use my resources and pull me back down. That is correct. They don't respect me. Well, I wouldn't say that. And I'm, again, I'm sorry to disagree with you. I wouldn't say I think they do respect you. They respect your wisdom. They respect your maturity. They respect your capacity to organize your life and make some money and right they respect that as a something to pillage you know the warlord respects the farmer's hard work just doesn't respect his property rights and yeah, this, and this so is sort of back to your original question the dysfunctional people in your life function as a moat except filled with vitriol, abuse, manipulation, pretend UPB, alligators, and fire. <laughs> they serve as a moat. Uh, do you know what, what I mean by that? Uh, no, I'm not quite following that. So a moat, you know, like a moat. So you've got a castle. Sorry, you may never right. played Dungeons and Dragons and built one of these things from popsicle sticks. But a moat <laughs> is, is the waterway the canal that goes around a castle so that people can't invade easily right 
and you got a drawbridge over the moat and you'd lift the drawbridge and then people can't like they go in and they swim and they're in heavy armor and you just shoot them full of arrows and the right so that's the moat right it's soft on the bottom so they can't put ladders and so you've got this moat which is a protective ring around your castle so when you have dysfunctional pillaging predatory people around you people who just manipulate resources out of you because it's easier to bully and manipulate you than it is to go and get their own shit then they serve as a moat because they know that if anyone truly functional comes into your life what's that truly functional person going to say about these parasites yeah that they're fucking crazy (laughs) Mm, crazy is another form of forgiveness they're not crazy they're not moral but crazy people act randomly. These people act with almost perfect consistency to protect the resources they can get from you. Did you see what I mean? Yeah. No, they're yeah, not crazy. That... I, I mean, I was able to predict with almost complete accuracy what your mom's moves were, right? Yeah. That's not a crazy person. A crazy person, you don't know what the hell they're going to say next, right? When people are perfectly predictable, you can't call them crazy. And And the fact that your sister who failed to protect you is now exploiting you because she speaks to her, she, she's concerned about her own um, preferences rather than anything that's good for you. In the same way that in, in the past she didn't want to protect you. In the same way that, that your stepbrother's, sorry, your stepfather's first wife didn't want to protect the kids who came down the pipe for him later, so to speak. So, the... my wife's best thing that ever happened to me as an adult. Now, I won't say who, but I will say it was somebody who was supposed to be really, really, really close to me. When I told him that I had decided to propose and to marry my wife, my my then-girlfriend, and I said, you know, if she says yes, and I think she will, we should get together and celebrate. And do you know what this person's supposed to be just about the closest to me in the world? Do you know what this person said to me? I don't think so. I don't really want to get to know your wife. I mean, just going to get divorced anyway. Oh. Now, that was a very beautiful and generous thing to say to me. I'm not kidding. (laughs) It was a beautiful and generous thing to say. I mean, I was a bit shocked and appalled at the time, although not that shocked. But it was very frank and it was very honest. This person said to me, I am committed to the destruction of the relationship you have with the woman you love. I don't want to get to know her because you're just going to divorce her. You're just going to get divorced anyway. I don't even want to bother getting to know your girlfriend, fiancé, wife, because you're just going to get divorced anyway. Now, that's harsh. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just like, oh, it was totally fine. But I was just like, oh, my God, is that ever switched the lights on in my brain? It means if I want to have a happy marriage, I got to keep this person the hell away from me because they are now committed. They openly said they are committed to the destruction of my marriage. Now, that person was was absolutely right 
in the, in the in the essence of what he said was absolutely right in the essence of what he said a divorce did come <laughs> just not with my wife right so people are yeah pretty frank they're pretty frank and if someone is in your life i hope it's your boyfriend it probably is if you're talking to me, right? But if someone is in your life who sees losers exploiting you, and, you know, you said with regards to your dad, what, he's like a 50-year-old guy living in his parents' house. Your mom is in her 50s, has saved no money, and is, what, trying to save for some retirement by working for no dollars on an organic farm? Workers on organic farms. That's the woof thing somebody said, right? Yeah. And your sister is 30 and needs a place to stay. Uh, they're losers. And I, again, I don't like the term. I really, I don't like the term. But a spade is a spade is a spade. A rose is a rose is a rose. And a loser is a loser is a loser. And as long as you're helping them out, they're going to stay losers. As long as you give them a place. Like you people got to hit rock bottom, rock bottom sometimes. I mean, they, it's happened to me. You hit rock bottom and then you find out what you're made of, and you can get somewhere. But if there's a healthy person in your life, well, first of all, the dysfunctional people will keep, will try their very best to keep healthy people out of your life, because healthy people will look at the situation and call it for what it is. Your mother puts you in the path of a predator to make money. That's the way I see it. Your sister kept you in the path of a predator for an unknown reason. And it doesn't even really matter. Does it matter what her reason was? There's no reason that justifies it. Your stepfather's first wife did not act to protect other children from his predatory ways. So all the people who failed to protect you when you were a kid, now you're a strong adult person. You don't need their protection anymore. What do they have to offer you? Other than a history of failing to protect you, and in fact putting you in harm's way and in danger's way. What do they have to... And this is a big question. The question I asked myself when I was younger, although still a lot older than you, but the question I asked myself, with regards to my mother or other people, right? I say, okay... Let's, let's do the dinner table test. Let's do the dinner table test. Dinner party guest. Din, dinner party test. The DPT, the dinner party test. The dinner party test goes something like this. Let's say I'm invited to a dinner party by someone I know. There are other people there that I don't know. Let's say I get sat down next to my mother at this dinner party and we chat for the evening. Would I want to see... This person, forget... She's my mom, she's just some woman, right? I sit down next to this woman... For two hours, at a dinner party, we talk, would I want to see her again? In other words, if there was another dinner party and they said, oh, this woman will also be there and we're going to sit her next to you. Would I want to go to that dinner party? If I didn't know my mother at all, just met her at a dinner party, would I want to see her again? No. And you got to ask that question about everyone in your life because it's the only way to get out of the trough of history. So... You're at a dinner party 
oh, we invited this woman, she's in her 50s, and she's fascinating, she travels all over the world, shoveling manure in organic farms. You're like, oh, well, all right, I guess kind of odd, but it could be interesting. And then your mom sits down, you don't know, she's not your mom, she's just some woman, and you chat with her through the evening, do you want to see her again? No. What about your 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 sister? Definitely not. Right. Do you remember? I don't know if you watched, but recently I put out this little green man hypothesis that you just you come to the world as if you've never been here before, and you've got to come to your own to live philosophically. Is to come to your own life like you've never lived there before, with totally fresh eyes. Totally fresh eyes. You come to your own life like you've never lived there before, you've never been there before, and you look at the people that nature, circumstances, history, and mostly bullshit have put in your life, and you say, if I got to start from scratch, would these people be in my life? Now, my friends, current friends, people I work with, my wife, my daughter, absolutely people I desperately want in my life. Absolutely, completely. I mean, if, if I said, oh, I had never met my wife before and I sit down next to her at a dinner party, I'd be like, yeah, I want to I see her again, for sure. She's wonderful. If I had a kid and I met my daughter who was the kid of some other family and, you know, the family said, oh, I think our kids get along. Would you like, I'd like yes, I think that would be great. She's wonderful. To live with new eyes to visit your life like a stranger is the way that you overcome manipulation. I'm telling you right now. Because people use accidental history as grappling hooks to control your resources. But I'm your mother. I'm your sibling. I'm your uncle. I'm your grandmother. I'm... Didn't choose any of that. Didn't, don't, don't use that. You didn't earn that. You didn't earn being my mother. You didn't earn being my aunt or uncle or sibling. You didn't earn that shit. It's just accidental. You can't cash that in. You can't cash accidents in. You didn't earn any of that. I don't owe you anything because of genetic proximity and accidental history and we grew up together. I owe you nothing for what you didn't earn. I reject paying a bill that I did not voluntarily incur. I will not pay it. If I choose to have you in my life, I owe you loyalty, I owe you respect, I may owe you resources, I'll lend you money if you need to, blah, 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 right? But I will not pay a bill that I did not voluntarily incur. Are you crazy? I didn't voluntarily have my family of origin in my life. It doesn't mean I'm going to hate them. Just, I mean, they may be wonderful people. In which case, fantastic. If you would, if they passed the dinner party test and you'd see them for two hours and you'd love to see them again, wonderful. Enjoy. But that's because of the virtues and values that they brought in the past and bring to the present. Not because of accidental biological caging through unwilled circumstances. You cannot profit off the accidental. You can't consider yourself a great businessman because your father gave you a million dollars. And you can't consider yourself a virtuous person because you happen to be pretty or handsome. 
It's accidental. Didn't earn it. Didn't earn it. And I will not pay a bill that I did not incur. I mean, it's like somebody in a restaurant. They send their bill over to me. Hey, I want you to pay this $200 dinner I had. I'm like, what are you talking about? Why would I pay it? I didn't eat any of the food. I didn't choose any of the people. I I didn't agree to do it beforehand. No, I'm not paying your bill. Although it's kind of funny, I, I do occasionally, when I go through a drive through I'll just pay for the person behind me because I think it's kind of fun and funny and hopefully gives people a little lift in their day and a lot of people need it because they're not quite as lucky as I am during the quarantine or during the pandemic. So, no, you didn't sign for it? You didn't order it? I mean, does, does somebody gets, did something gets delivered to your home, somebody's like, hey, here's the car you ordered. Do you just sit there and say, okay, I'll, I'll pay for the car? No, you didn't order the car. Didn't choose to have that car in your life. It's the same thing with your family of origin. Now, I'd say give them more consideration than you would a stranger because you have a shared history, for sure, which is why I say go and talk to people and try and work things out and look for apologies and all of that. It's wonderful because, you know, there is more obligation than there would be to strangers because there is a shared history. And if people can be virtuous and they've also known you for 20 years, they can be a very positive force in your life. So give them more respect than you'd give to a stranger. But the dinner party test is really, really important because it gets right to the core. Or what else I used to say. So tell me what you feel. Sorry, this is back to where <laughs> you're in the convo. Sorry about so what do you feel when your boyfriend calls? <laughs> joy. Yay! So much joy. <laughs> right? Of course. <laughs> He's your boyfriend. How you doing? Oh, yeah, right. Great, right? <laughs> right. Now. Phone rings. It's your mom. What do you feel? Dread. Oh, so God. much dread. Oh, God. What now? Anger. Yeah. yeah. So your emotions, your deepest emotions are telling you what's good for you and what's bad for you. And do you know much, how much bullshit we have to swallow to override our basic survival instincts? It's amazing how much propaganda has to go into, uh, I don't like this person. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't like this person. I don't feel happiness when they call. And you just have to sit there and be patient with yourself and say, you say to your hand, hey, do you want to you pick up, you want to answer? No. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll wait till next time. Whereas if your boyfriend calls and you say, do you want to answer? Yes, right? Yay, boyfriend, right? Even if you had a conflict, you still want to talk to him, right? So you look at your hand, you say, do you want to? Yes, no? No. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to? No, you can't see the video. Or maybe you can. Right? So let your, let your hands do the talking. Let your heart do the talking. You know, you've got this gut. Your second brain, right? The right down is called your gut instinct. Your second brain is very, very important. Very important. And almost all of modern bullshit society, woke society, is about cutting you off from your gut. Right? So you get all this intellectual bullshit that, that dizzies and confuses you. And a lot of abusers will try and cut you off from your gut. Right? Your instincts. Your your element. This is where your fight or flight mechanism is. This is where it's good for me, it's bad for me. This is where your independence is. This is where your sovereignty and your boundaries are in your gut and your head is, I don't know, great for typing or whatever, right? But but your gut is going to what's keep you safe. That's your fight or flight. And abusers will always try and cut you off from your gut. So you've got an instinct which says, well, I don't want to answer the phone from my mom. And then everyone's like, but she's your mother. You have to answer the phone. She took care of you. She wasn't perfect, but nobody's perfect. And she had a bad childhood and you got to have sympathy and she's got no resources and she's got no one else to turn to. <laughs> Right? And all it is is just <laughs> saw you off, saw your spine off from your gut. 
Screw yep. completely your fight or flight mechanism. Screw your instinctive understanding of what's good and healthy for you and what's bad and toxic for you. <coughs> Everyone's just breathing more mold into your veins. <laughs> Look at that. I went all the way back to the beginning of the convo. <laughs> I boomeranged, baby. I'm all the way back to the beginning. I'm like, hey, there's shiny stuff here. I can use it. <laughs> yeah, that's... No one is in support of my new relationship, which is the the partner I've been with for, um, I guess yeah, about the past year. And he's he's the one who introduced me to you and, and your show. And well, because he's, he's also got nothing the, to fear from me, right? I don't think, right? right? Right. And he's also the the first one to tell me that I'm enabling my family and that they are just using me. They've, then, they've had their life. I mean, think of your, your mom, right? She's had her life. She's made her choices. She's over 30 years older than you. It's time for you to have your life and make your choices. And they're perfectly, perfectly free to make different choices. In fact, if you want a different life from your mom and not be hauling around donkey shit in your 50s for no money, yeah, you probably should be making different decisions, right? And if I say, you know, I, love is our involuntary response to virtue, if we're virtuous. Love is our involuntary response to virtue, if we're virtuous. When I say that, do you sit there and say, oh, my boyfriend's a bad guy. Oh, my God, right? No, He's got no problem now. But if I say with regards to your family, if I say to your family, oh, you've got to earn love by being virtuous. You can't just manipulate it and use language. I mean, you can, but it's false. It's not, not valid, right? You, you can try. But I'm, I'm aiming to give people shields from the parasites, right? Neck braces for the vampires or whatever you want to call it, right? Um, get you away from the Wuhan bats. I don't know. I'm mixing too many metaphors here. But, but yeah, so your boyfriend is like, oh, talk to Steph, right? Now, is he going to sit there and say, oh, my God, Steph's going to convince my girlfriend to break up with me and hang out with her family? <laughs> and he's not, right? That's no. another, yeah, it's another, somebody just pointed at this, another helpful thought. If I met myself at a dinner party, would I call myself later? Well, I know I would, right? <laughs> Hopefully I have a lot of stuff to offer myself, right? But that's, your gut instinct is trying to keep you safe. And your gut instinct is trying to draw you to a higher place. This is bad for me. This, and we used to just be simple and, and honest with ourselves in many ways, right? Now we've got all of this, ugh, clutter and, and, tentacles and hooks and i mean maybe it was always the case i don't know maybe maybe this is our first chance to actually break free and and do something right rather than something habitual but no you gotta do the, the, the most the four four words that will set you free are you ready yes <laughs> four words to set you free this is for everyone out there this is your chant of liberation Do I want to? Phone rings. It's mom. Answer it. Do I want to? Just take that pause. Do I want to? A boyfriend's phoning you. Oh, yes, I want to. Okay, you answer the phone. Just you pause and you ask yourself. Do I want to? Do I want to? You know, I mean, it's. I was, you know, a, a couple of months ago, I was, it just sort of popped into my head. I think I saw... 
someone who used to be on my show doing something really, really cool or something like that. And I think Dave Smith just went on Joe Rogan, though he knew how Joe Rogan treated me in the past. And it's like, you know, so every now and then I'm like, oh, I kind of miss being on the big show. Like, do I want to? Eh, not really. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Do I, do I want to is incredibly liberating because it allows you to pause and ask yourself and check in with your gut. Because you can ignore and override your gut instinct and, and your fight or flight mechanism, but man, you'll end up unhappy. Because you can't, you can't eliminate it. You can just oppose yourself. And a war with yourself is a terrible place to be. So, you know, when somebody says to me, oh, Steph, you've got to, uh, right? I'm like, do I want to? Mm, not really. Or, yeah, I kind of do. Or I'm at least open to it. I'll talk more or whatever, right? Do I want to? Because do I want to is having boundaries and saying to other people, I'm not your fucking slave to order around and provide resources because you need something. A failure to plan on your part doesn't constitute an emergency on my part. Do I want to? Oh, the family dinner is going to be in a week. You got to come. Do I want to? Do I want to? And maybe you have to think about it. And maybe it's complicated. Maybe you've got to talk it through. Maybe you've got to journal it. You've got to talk to a therapist. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know yet. I don't really want to. I'm not immediately don't want to, but do I want to? These four words will be inc incredibly liberating. Do I want to? Because it, it signals to other people that they actually have to appeal to something that's going to benefit you in some manner. That's going to change who's in your life. Because people who just want to prey on you and exploit you, they're not going to want to hear that, do I want to? Because they got nothing to offer you. Other than they'll get mad at you and smack you. You know, when I was a kid, the TV would kind of flicker and you'd thump the top and sometimes it would settle the vacuum tube. Just thump things until you get what you want. That's what abusive and destructive people and exploitive people do. They just thump you. Well, I can't offer you anything positive, but I can call you a bad daughter if you don't do what I want. You're not a good friend. You're a bad sister. You don't take care of people. We took care of you. We raised... Uh, you're right. It's just thumping to get... Right? That's, not, that's not giving me anything. It's just... If you don't give us what we want, we'll emotionally beat the shit out of you. It's not a healthy... Right? It's not a healthy relationship. You're selfish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boundaries? Wanting you to provide something of value in my life? No, I want to provide value of things to people in my life. I mean, I want to... You know what's hearing me in my convo? It's like, did I, was it, did I provide value? Was it good? Was it helpful? Right? But... So, these are the four words that set you free, man. Do I want to? Phone rings. <gasps> Do I want to? Do I want to answer? Until you get a big, a strong yes, just, you don't have to answer. And, and here's the interesting thing. You'll see what happens when you don't comply. Right? So, I can't think of a, of a good example, but if 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 you don't answer the phone, what happens, right? Now, a healthy person will probably won't let things get so bad that you don't want to answer the phone. They'll figure out what's wrong or try and figure out what's wrong or talk to you about it. But let's say you get to some relationship and you don't want to answer the phone. A healthy person will be like, mm, okay, I got to think. Why doesn't Sophia want to answer the phone? Why? 
What happened? Okay, last thing that happened was this, and then we had this. Oh my gosh, I bet you it's that. And they'll send you a text and said, you know what? You seem kind of avoidant, and I've really been thinking about it. I think it's this. And I'm really, like, I, it didn't cross my mind. I, I just, whatever, right? Right? You know, yeah. not that Dave Smith's about to call me or anything like that. But, you know, if he did, and I didn't, I wouldn't be jumping to call him. I don't mind that he went. I don't waste any particular thought on went on Joe Rogan. But I wouldn't be like, oh, let's talk, right? And it would be, uh, you know, he'd sit there and say, oh, yes, well, I guess I went on Joe Rogan, who kind of shafted Steph, and it was pretty ugly and all of that. So maybe that's it or whatever, right? So I could say that, whatever. Right? And again, I don't really care. It doesn't really matter. But it, it's just a, something that popped into my head. So that's what a healthy person would do. But you know what an unhealthy person does if you don't answer the phone, right? Chaos usually ensues. Oh, uh, abuse, aggression, escalation, ugliness, verbal nastiness, whatever, right? Right. Why aren't you calling me back? Are you okay? Don't you care? Yeah. It's the third message that you ask. They escalate, right? And they, right. they start threatening. And then they rope other people in to, 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 to corner you, to circle you, to force you. And that's, they do, having, having hesitancy is so important in life. Do I want to? Eh, not really, not right now. I'll, I'll see if I want to tomorrow. I don't really want to tomorrow either. Well, that's interesting. Now, at some point, you may say, uh, I would like to try and figure out what the issue is, maybe, whatever, right? But, my God, we, you know, we have to obey the government. We have to obey gravity. But we don't have to return people's phone calls, right? <laughs> we don't have to. And you just see how you feel. Oh, what was that? I heard this ugly, unpleasant theory online. <laughs> no, I would. It's something to do with Wuhan and how we could have solved the issue. But anyway. Um, so, yeah, just see what happens. If you, if you don't comply with other people's immediate needs because you don't feel like it, what happens? I usually get gaslighted for my family. Right. Now, and, and then what you'll do is you'll say, okay, well, they can apply a negative to me, so they'll bully me, and you reward their bullying by compliance and resources. And then you wonder why they bully you. Well, they bully you. 150% self-ownership. Why do they bully you? Because it works. Because it works. Because it works. If I had self-censored because of desperate fear of being deplatformed, then I'm already a slave. I saw this cartoon of a homeless guy with a sign saying, spoke my mind. <laughs> right? It's a little true, right? It's a little true. But, you know, why do they bully you? Because it works. Now, it works because they will escalate and you'll feel terrible. And But you've got a boyfriend now. You've got people who care about you. You've got healthy people in your corner, in your environment to survive the onslaught and even learn from it and never let it happen again, right? Yeah. So that's my, those are my major thoughts. Is there anything you wanted to add as we wind down? No, that is just so reassuring because I, I have definitely been spinning with, if I'm doing things right in my family and, you know, how much do I really need to put up with and 
oh, it's just really is a such a relief and it gave me some really incredible insight into into everything that I'm dealing with and this this conversation has been immensely just valuable, so valuable to me. Well, I'm thrilled. And and if Sophia, sorry, if any of Sophia's family ends up listening to this, I know you're mad at me and blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah, I understand that. And I, I sympathize. I really, really do. I really sympathize. But try to offer her something that's positive. Don't just threaten her with a negative. Try her offer something that is positive, that's going to be beneficial and helpful to her life. I would love it if you all got along. I would love it if you all close and connected and her family of origin turned into a positive unit of help and love and support. I, I would Nothing would please me more. So you're, you'll be tempted to get mad at me. And you will be. And, and I, I'll take that. It's my little cross to bear. That's fine, right? But... If she is, and I think she will, hold strong with the support of the people in her life, then all you have to give her is the answer to, do I want to? Yes. I mean, so Sophia, I mean, we've spent, what, three hours on the phone here, right? Or three hours talking, right? Yeah. I mean, did you want to? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure some people have wanted to pee <laughs> when they're on the phone with me, right? Hopefully people can hold off, right? But that's the thing, right? So we this is a long conversation for somebody you've never talked to before, right? And, we, you know, we really did, you know, we went uh, we went deep into your history and, and, and all of that. And, you know, you wanted to. And, and I get people saying, oh, I'd like to come back and, and all of that. And... Your boyfriend says, hey, you should talk to Steph. And, you know, obviously you thought about it, mulled it over, and it's like, yeah, I, I would like to, right? And I'm glad it's been helpful. I really am thrilled that it's been helpful. But that's that's all this show is, is that, you know, people want to chat. Yeah, I think I will, right? I, I, I would like to. But do I want to? Just ask yourself that question. Somebody has a demand, do I want to? Somebody asks you, bullies you, do I want to? The phone rings, do I want to pick it up? Just ask yourself. That's free will, man. That's free will. Do I want to? Because if it's just like, oh, I want to avoid the negatives and beg for a couple of positives and I, I don't want to get yelled at. I don't want to get, then you're not free. You're not free. Not free. Not free. All right. Well, thank you very much. Will you keep me in touch or will you keep in touch and, and uh, let me know how it goes? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, do say hi to your boyfriend for me. And, I will. Um, He'll uh, be thrilled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I appreciate that. Was he listening or is he going to listen later? No, no. He's going to listen later. He um, he wanted to give me this the space that I needed and yeah, but he really wanted to talk to you. He he calls right. you his second dad. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Well, thanks very much. And thanks, everyone, for your support. Freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show. I hugely appreciate that as well. And um, have a great weekend. I will talk to you soon.